0: Welcome, everyone, to Davos Fingers, episode twenty-eight. More mess, less magic. I'm Scatty, and we have with us Brooke and Matt, as always. Hello, Toodaloo! And we will be bringing with with us today s- five chapters of Clash of Kings. That's Theon four, John six, Sansa four, John seven, and Tyrion twelve. That is chapters fifty through fifty-four, according to Wiki of Ice and Fire. Again, covering a Clash of Kings. We are spoiler free until the end of this podcast for a special segment we call Davos After Dark. So we will not spoil anything uh, that the readers won't have had read as long as they're following our pace uh, until the end of that uh, until the end of the podcast with that segment. So we'll warn you when that's coming. So if you don't want to be spoiled, just jump off. We always say this: if you want to contact us, uh, just get in touch with us. Various reasons, suggesting topics, asking questions, calling us assholes, whatever you want. Uh, you can reach us through DavosFingers.com. That's our Tumblr site. Email us at wearedavosfingers at gmail.com, Twitter at DavosFingers, or you can find us in likes on Facebook. Speaking of Facebook and the Twitterings and all of those things, I uh, just wanted to say we're, uh, we're on cloud nine. We are over the moon. Uh, we, by the time this episode releases, we will have reached 100,000 listens or near enough to make no matter. Uh, Well, we already have over 500 Twitter followers and over uh, 100 Facebook likes, so thanks, guys. Seriously, it means a lot to us. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool to just be a part of this fandom and uh, to to get the response we've gotten from all you guys. It's just awesome. uh, We're we're so grateful for it, so I wanted to bring that up. And then lastly, Salt Lake Comic Con is coming up. Matt and I are excited. We're debating, I think, still, whether we're going to get out there and... And go but they made a big announcement they call it i don't know matt if you'd agree with this but they called it their biggest announcement for an appearance yet that chris evans captain america will be coming and i agreed
1: with that you think i think so
2: he seldom does conventions this is huge
1: well and it's it you know we've had legendary stars patrick stewart's and uh, guys like that before but for someone with current star power, like as big as the Avengers is right now, yeah, with the money that it's raking in and stuff like that, and the amount of t shirts and action figures and stuff that this guy's face is on i, I think it's I think it's the biggest yeah.
2: it's just that he's such a good looking human too. I mean, there's probably maybe only two other humans better looking than Chris Evans in Salt Lake City, and that's your wives, so this is huge for just the people of Salt Lake in general.
1: I'm gonna say it ain't me <laughs> it don't... is we rarely see someone this beautiful i like uh, little he's valley
2: so beautiful man i don't oh.
1: see it I, li- I like him as an
2: actor Actually, what?
1: no listen i like him as an actor a lot even actually.
2: objectively he's just
1: oh it's if, if chris <laughs> evans was like mad i want to kiss you i'd be like I'd, like I'd like i'd like fight it for a minute <laughs> <laughs> but if, but if he really persisted, <laughs>
3: you're a lady,
2: so you put up a token protest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. To the question of why is Chris Evans working so hard to kiss me, but <laughs> I, so topically, uh,
0: you know, for for you know the timeliness of this appearance, you know how big he is right now. I agree, yep. but we've had icons at this event before, sure. Comics wouldn't exist, probably, without Stan Lee. Well, they might exist. But not not the way they are without Stan Lee. He came. Patrick Stewart came. I'd
3: probably
0: say Stan Lee's the next biggest. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway. Huge announcement, regardless. I think he's only going to be there one day, and it's probably going to, like, fill the room, people that want to touch his chest. Um, For listeners, the Salt Lake Comic Con
2: is in September, right?
0: It is September 22nd through 24th, I think, or something like that.
2: There you go. Uh, We'll yeah. link it on our website, davosfingers.com, and you can go the long way yeah. to the official website. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Uh, okay, so that's it for announcements. So I think it's time to uh, dive in.
2: Matt, please take
1: us
3: to Theon.
1: Yes.
3: His daddy lost a war, so he's living in the north. Now we're so stuck between being a kraken and a wolf. Yes, yeah, Theon. Greyjoy. With a smile so slow, we'll put an arrow through your eye. Yes, yeah, Theon. great Greyjoy. Make a lady scream, and want to be a king. It's Theon joy. loyalty speaks, but there's something near the own Theon joy.
1: So after doing it in Ned's bed with a tavern wench, a feat he's tremendously proud of, Theon is all a slumber when suddenly he's awoken by a strange premonition that something is amiss. So after trying to convince himself that everything's nice and quiet he realizes that it's actually too quiet. Yeah,
3: a little too quiet. Mm.
1: In particular, the dire wolves have fallen silent. So to be sure everything's cool, he sends his door guard to check on the wolves in the Godswood and Wex to check on Bran and Wiccan, and both return with oh crap news. Both the dire wolves and the boys are gone. A quick round of the castle reveals two dead guards at the Hunter's Gate which, sitting conveniently on the west side of Winterfell, opens right into the large, dense wolfwood. And to his horror, Theon realizes that the scant 30 men which he'd taken Winterfell with are not nearly enough to effectively keep watch over all of the castle as well as on each other. And as such, the escapees have quite the head start. So stirring the Winterfellians from their sleep, and all except Osha, the Reed siblings, and Hodor, who appear to have escaped with the boys, He gathers them all in the yard to try and get some answers. He's convinced that they are scheming against him to save the Stark boys and flabbergasted that after all he's done for them and how well he's treated them, they'd still be so cruel as to return the favor in such a terrible way. So after a quick inventory reveals that no food, horses, weapons, or even clothing is missing, Theon's convinced that someone is either harboring the boys or that they can't have traveled far. Not getting any answers from the small folk, Theon waits for daylight, then organizes a search party comprised of a few ironborn, as well as men and hounds of Winterfell who are strongly coerced into going to go out and look for the boys. Even Maester Luwin is forced to go, mostly because Theon doesn't trust Luwin to be alone without him, Theon, at Winterfell. So winding their way deeper into the wolf's wood, the hounds seem to pick up a scent, and eventually they arrive at a brook. And it's there that the scent stops, with the animals unable to determine where or even if the wolves, who must have entered the lake, had ever exited. Theon befuddled, his squire Wex suddenly comes to a realization. There are wolf tracks along the brook, but no human footprints. So certainly someone as big as Hodor would leave a large footprint, right? Yeah. So despite their assertions that the hounds were following the correct trail... Theon forces the men to backtrack and find out where they obviously went wrong. So however, even after searching up and down and all around and all over the place and up until dusk, they are never able to so much as pick up another scent. And Theon realizes to his growing horror that the boys are indeed gone. What will his sister say? What will his father do? His feelings of triumph at taking a castle like Winterfell are suddenly dashed. As he realizes that he doesn't even have his most valuable hostages. So it's while he's in this state of pure mental agony that his new BFF reek approaches him, hinting that he knows where the boys might be. So he prompts Theon to remember an old mill not too far from, where, from there, where they were, where lived a miller, his wife, and two boys. Reek declares that he has a feeling the boys will be hiding there, meaning Bran and Rickon. When Theon expresses confusion, Reek opens a rucksack that he'd brought along with him from Winterfell, revealing clothing inside, even down to a wolf's head brooch. Catching on, Theon informs the rest of the hunting party that they can go back to Winterfell, as he knows where the Stark boys are. When, Ma- when Maester Lewin pleads with Theon to show the boys mercy if and when he finds them, Theon replies, mercy was for this morning before they made me angry.
0: Ooh. Bonus points to Matt for using the word rucksack. Yeah, good one. But did you say brooch? I said did
1: you, brooch, didn't did I? Did you mean
2: brooch?
1: Did I say brooch? I meant to say brooch.
2: You sure did, and it was adorable. I believe you also
1: called Rick and Wiccan.
2: <laughs> also Guys, great. do you want
1: me just to read this again? Is there <laughs> anything else I did wrong?
2: Oh,
0: gosh.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: It, it's cool, man. I make mistakes like that all the time.
2: Also, you said the word Brooke a couple of times. It got me all excited for a second. Like, when, said like, my name. Like when a said character on TV is revealed and her name is Brooke, except on TV, she's always just, like, awful.
0: It also, the way. We, we've
2: got this awful, wenchy character. What should her
4: name be?
0: <laughs> Scott is also usually terrible. They're, like, creepy <laughs> dudes that, like, don't have any value at all. Uh, well, Scott's usually like the popular guy at high school who's a d bag. Oh no, I don't see that. No, oh, I <laughs> think they're usually like worthless little like yeah tools, I guess. But anyway, the- and then you've
2: got Matt Murdock, oh mm-hmm. the best of the best.
1: Yeah, I actually know a Matt Murdock. You know uh, Matt Murdock. His Does name. Does he is live Matt. in Hell's Kitchen? He lives in Kearns, Utah. So oh. it's very similar. Very similar crime rate's about the same <laughs> all right however so you, you did
0: you did say, say with with the word brook i think one of those sentences was the animals went through it but the, the but no men had come near it <laughs> <Sick
4: burn>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> sorry brook it just got me, uh, I was muted. That hit but... a little
3: too close to home, let's <laughs> move on. Sorry.
0: <laughs> it was more about the love for the animals than, than the, anyway.
2: Um. Can we just, before we get going on this chapter, because there's a lot to discuss, agree that poor Wex Pike has the worst job ever?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, wiring for Theon, and he can't even talk.
2: Worse than that! when Theon woke up yeah and he had Kea or car in the bed with him
3: wax was curled the... up at the foot of the bed
1: like a dog right
3: i and i wondered like did he
1: was he just in there the whole time i or think did he so like come in after i think so uh, i i did i did think about that and did, when
0: did he come in and he's kind of got uh, he's got a brain on him too you know he's the one that, that thinks about the footprints and like oh seems seems a uh, yeah, poor guy. This job.
2: The yeah. worst. Yeah. Yeah, Theon was on total point this chapter. It's very Theon-y. One of the best lines he had was um when they realized that one of the guards had been killed by Osha and, and he got all mad because she had tricked him and broken her oath and he thinks to himself she's as unnatural as Asha. Like, even their names are similar. And you think that that after after dealing with both Asha and Osha, and just women in general, he'd understand by now that it's not unnatural. That's the way it is, and you should stop underestimating women.
1: Yep, you've been down that road before, buddy. Pretty
0: brutal.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: especially with the way he treats them, right? Yeah. Like, Asha might not have been a bitch to him if he hadn't treated her like that, right? Yeah. You know, like, you know, you know why Osha and Asha treated you this way? Because you were a dickhead to them. <laughs> like, it's less about them being deceitful women and more about general human behavior when someone's a dick to you.
1: Yeah. It's, it's never Theon's fault though. Oh, yeah. of course not. Like, it's always it's funny how he still expects that my voice was just dripping with sarcasm I hope during the
4: it
0: was. the
1: the part where Theon is talking about how he still expects Winterfell to treat him as some sort of conquering returning hero or a prodigal son that's come back victoriously and they're just seeing him for what he obviously actually is just a traitorous invader. It's never about him.
3: They don't love me.
1: <laughs> I, I will defend him a little himself. bit. Though. I, I thought you're. He iron... killed
3: himself he, with his mouth. He,
1: he did.
0: Look, you have to make an example of somebody like that. That guy hung himself three times with his mouth. he
1: and his. Well, maybe Theon just shouldn't have invaded the place in the first place. Well, sure, hmm. but that goes for like every story in this book. I mean. Sure. But he can't expect them to love him. After he's come in and done that. Yeah, but I think
0: you His laid it on a little thick. I don't think he expects them to love him. I, ex- I think he expects them to see that he hasn't been as hard on him as, they- as he could have been. Which is what, I mean, think about what the mountain does to a place
1: he invades. Theon hasn't done any of that shit. I think he expects them to treat him, I so I agree with you a, a bit. I th- think he expects them to treat him like Eddard. Yeah, he does say things like "I am your
0: new uh, true-born sovereign," or or "not sovereign, uh, liege lord." So, yeah, he he expects he expects some sort of uh, obeisance, right? But I do think he's treated them softly, at least more softly than we've seen.
2: That's true, and I think that I'm
1: not saying he's he's treated them terribly, but he's delusional in thinking that they're just gonna give him that same respect that they would give someone like Edard. Sure.
2: Urim has been very deliberate in his word choices and Theon's internal, just his thoughts. And that I think Matt is right. Theon is desperate for them all to love yes. and worship him. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't realize at the core that that is really what's driving all of his actions. Um, mm-hmm. he just, yeah, expects obedience because it's a fair trade, right? He, I mean, he had two guys who, who raped a girl with. That sounds fair, right? I mean, yeah, I, it, it doesn't make up for the fact that he invaded the place in That the-
1: he brought the Ironborn yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the,
2: the, 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 he, yeah. He put the rapers in place, but... It's, right.
1: it's interesting that Theon wants the best of both worlds of his father figures. He wants to invade like Balon, but then he wants to rule like Edard.
4: Mm. Yeah, but he also and the
1: two it's it's seemingly impossible for the two to work together. He you also, can't rule like Eddard after invading like he did.
0: But he also notes that Eddard is cold and deliberate. He he mm-hmm. said when he's going to rouse people from Winterfell to to come out into the square or whatever he says, remember, you must be as cold and deliberate as Eddard. So it's not yeah. what I think he's I don't know. I, I I think he sees Eddard as a kind of cold ruler and, and right. that he's not well, being that like, different than
1: Eddard would be. I
0: don't know. That, Eddard sure is not, extremely that's fair. Yeah,
1: he's yeah, extremely fair, but if you know there's a deserter from the Night's Watch, Edard yeah. is going to go and and deliver justice. I guess that's I, I what I'm that.
0: saying. I don't think Theon's done anything that's unfair. Other other than obviously conquering mm-hmm. you, which if you're conquered, you're going to be pissed. But other than being conquered, has he done anything
1: that's been unfair? Well, I, I, it's more his inner monologue of expecting disobedience and stuff. And you're yeah. not going to get that just by walking in with a bunch yeah. of the ver- iron horn and standing up and saying love me he very
0: much wants to be loved i see what you're saying i mean he right. he literally says at one point when he, he's playing off of off of the flaying that reek suggests right he's like ah let's flay them all they won't keep under secrets then and he his inner monologue actually says let them see this at least they'll know while i'm in charge that won't be happening maybe right. that will yeah. get them to love me right like it's it's uh i I agree with what Brooke's saying, like, I don't, I don't think he realizes how badly he wants it, even when his inner monologue is saying things to himself like that. Like, yeah. that's really
1: what he's after, is
0: acceptance and love. Yeah,
1: I did love that passage that you brought up, the one about you must be cold and deliberate as Lord Eddard, and I think it's interesting that when Theon finds himself in the midst of a crisis like this, the person he tries to emulate, yeah. despite how mm-hmm. much he said he doesn't like Eddard and Eddard was unfair to him, da-da-da-da-da he finds himself just immediately trying to act like eddard
4: yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: yep
2: the spice of bedding a common whore in lord eddard's bed
1: yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: yeah that is some unresolved emotions about that replacement parental figure for sure yeah so it sounds to me like the plan reek has is to go to this mill where he both he and Theon know there are young boys. And Reek had the forethought to grab one of the kids' cloak and... I'm sorry, what was that? Brooch? Brooch.
0: It's a brooch. <laughs> like, it's
1: a brood, brood of brooching brooches.
0: <laughs> it's
1: like the word brook, but brooch.
2: <laughs> oh, that's pretty Freudian, man. <laughs> Anyways, so he had the forethought to grab it... Before the chase, and they've been out in the woods for like a solid day, even started. So Reek, it it sounds like Reek knew that this was going to happen all along, where they'd have to perhaps go and find some replacement Starks?
0: Yeah, he either knew knew that, or just had a feeling that Theon was going to bumble this, right? Like, either... Mm that the Starks knew something Theon didn't or that Theon was going to bungle it up anyway. He's certainly thinking ahead. It's, uh, you know, high marks for <laughs> for problem
1: solving, I guess, for Reek. It's scary to see someone that um, clever. Yeah. Yeah. He,
2: he to... had to hint to Theon like three times. Yes.
1: yes. Wink, then, wink, yeah. wink.
2: And then take him off the horse into the woods
0: to yeah.
1: chat. Theon! Regularly. Listen to me!
0: <laughs> Look
3: yeah. at my face!
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: uh but yeah, it does look like what the plan is it's uh mm-hmm. terrifying oh uh one little thing when they're talking about the when Walder Frey goes all mystical and magical about his uh his foes to the north the the bog men uh <laughs> he talk you know he's talking about about the frog eaters and stuff and and then Maester lewin chimes in and and talks about uh you know how they were close with the children of the forest maybe they know some secrets and stuff he just vaguely mentions something called the hammer of the waters and the readers might not know what this is so i thought i'd just let in a little bit uh the hammer of the waters is basically magic uh that was used to break the arm of dorn so the arm of dorn used to connect through uh what is it the stepstones matt i think through the, the step, step zones. Are what's left. Yeah, the step zones are what's left, but that used to actually connect to Essos across the the uh, the little channel there. Uh, but the Hammer of Waters broke it so that men couldn't just walk across like that. Um, and the impression is that they tried this same magic around where um, Moat Kaelin is, where the neck is. yeah. And that that's one of the reasons uh, for its boggy nature. I don't know. There's there's stuff online all about it, about uh, whether that yeah, would stay that boggy or not. Yeah. yeah, but uh, anyway, so that's that's what the Hammer of the Waters is, if if people
1: didn't know.
2: Oh, that's good. Sakusus Mappas.
0: Yeah, for the neck.
1: And also, good to know that the frogmen apparently have, or the frog eaters, whatever we're calling them, apparently have moss for armpit hair. Yes, it's very so helpful. That's fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, so if they put rolling stones in there, what would happen? <laughs> hey Because they'd gather no moss. So then, I don't know. It's what the women do. Yes, right.
3: Rolling stone Gathers no moss we'll leave a trail of
4: busted stars. There you go. Uh,
2: okay.
0: That's uh, all I got. We, oh, we, uh, we yeah. did learn one little bit more about Poxy Tim. A okay, fine bowman.
1: Just wanted to lay that out there. He's coming along. He's picked himself up from his crying uh, breakdown.
4: Yeah. It's
2: scary because the more Gurm builds him up, you know, his fate is almost sealed.
0: Uh, as Azora High, you mean?
2: <laughs> yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> All right, shall we move on? Yeah, sorry. Uh, Scad John? And don't apologize, oh my god.
0: All right. Uh, well, my
3: poxy Tim love can go only so far. Where well, we're going up north, where the winter's cold and the icicles bloom like the bluest rose. We haven't met his mom, but we love his wolf, his giant snow. So,
0: I don't know if you know this, but fire is easily seen in the black of night. Oh, what? Yeah, it's true. Uh, the Black Brothers refused to light one, but a party of wildlings has done just that. They've got a, a reasonably big fire going that can be seen from the few miles away uh, that the Black Brothers are that John is a party of. So an obvious target, Stone, how am I the only one whose name isn't explained, Snake, and Jon Snow volunteered to sneak up on them, subdue, and make sure no horn is sounded um, before they're dispatched. Uh, I'll spare all the details of the climb, but but it's equal parts grueling and dangerous and beautiful, and it's exactly what Jon signed up for, uh, to be part of the Night's Watch, and you know, how he wanted to originally be a ranger. Uh, adventure, excitement, a Jedi craves not these things. So, the long climb puts them in a spot where they overlook three wildlings, not two as they expected, one of bright red hair, sleeping, one feeding the fire, and of course the one with the horn, keeping watch. Without much prep, they spring forth into battle. Snow- Stone Snake takes the Watcher, John the Fire tender, and is about to finish off the Sleeper when he realizes that he is a she. He stays his hand and uh, takes her surrender in spite of Snow- Stone Snake's misgivings. They exchange names, and Egret y- y- tells them to burn the bodies. Instead, they throw them off the mountain for the Shadow Cats. John also learns that. Though she doesn't know the real number, there are thousands of free folk beyond, kind of uh, cementing the things, the tales they've heard of the numbers that are gathering. Uh, While they talk, Egret relates the story of Bale the Bard. Essentially, uh, to summarize the story, he hoodwinked Brandon, one of them uh, in history, and stole his daughter from under his nose. He impregnated her and lived under Winterfell until that child was born. Basically, the point of the story is... Wildlings and Starks have shared blood ever since this happened, uh, if the legends are true. Uh, not too long after she relates this story, Corranaghan uh, shows up and demands that they must kill the hostage. John says, uh, "Hey, hand in the air. It's my responsibility." So they leave him to it. Egret faces death bravely, for what's worth. Her neck bent, hair uh, hair to the side, only asking that he does it cleanly and quickly. Uh, John can't do it, though. And he lets Egret go free, and that is the end of the chapter. Some good stuff in that chapter. Uh, yeah, the
2: frost Fangs actually sound really beautiful.
0: They do, yeah. Uh, dangerous, kind of that dangerous beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which I think is a good uh, kind of a, a good catch-all for the 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 land beyond the wall in general, right? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. Matt Thacker craves not these things.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, me
1: neither. Not big into hiking in the snow. No, not big into hiking. Period, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so
0: I guess we could start with Bale's song. Kind of a kind of a cool little tale. Fun story. Yeah, little little. Yeah, you kind of. She 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 says Egret says uh, when he says was this Brandon the builder Brandon that was a long time ago Brandon the burner his dad was a Brandon he's trying to figure out which Brandon she's talking about and she says this one was Brandon the daughterless you're <laughs> like shut up dude
1: another one of the good one-liners yeah you gonna listen to my story or what
0: but, but and and so it's funny right we're all laughing but it also i think it underscores eh, this is kind of like a legend you know like i don't right. i don't know how true it really is there's a lot of stories in nan's tales right where you know a lot of the details aren't really there how solid how is much it?
1: of it has been modified yeah. since it first started yeah yeah Exactly.
0: And, you know, the fact that the Starks have seven billion Brandons in their line doesn't help. Um,
1: yeah, I took a peek at the uh, Stark lineage in the world of Ice and Fire and wasn't seeing one that gave me too much of a clue as to which Brandon it was. Oh, yeah. There was no Brandon yeah. in the Daughterless? I, not that I was seeing. Well, not one that matched that description of kids. So Anyway. So, um, no, I was, I was going to move on.
2: So was I.
1: Well, I was just going to
0: talk about the Wildlings and how stupid they are for lighting a fire.
2: Well, actually, I will contest that, because when John asked Egret who they were, like, watching for, she said, you and others. Uh, and yeah, in yeah. the text, the others is lowercase?
0: Yes, it was, I noticed. <laughs> but
2: you wonder
0: yeah. if she mm-hmm.
2: meant uppercase others.
0: Keeping the fire that. there to protect them. Yep. I thought you uh Hatred of puns would keep you from noticing that.
2: I don't think it's a pun. I think it's like just a misinterpretation of the word. I guess it's a pun.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It's a. It's du- maybe not a pun. It's you know a double it's, meaning for the word. Yeah. It's not. It's
2: whatever. It's it's that would be why that the fire is lit, and also why she begged for the bodies to
0: be burned. Yes. But so your 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 analysis then is that fire keeps others away, which... Yes, I, I know think if... we
2: established that I don't from know what... the attack at uh, Castle Black.
0: Yeah, prob- yeah, you're right. Probably. Yeah. I mean, we know <laughs> it damages them. I don't know if it, it, it keeps them away, but certainly it would be good
1: to have them on hand if they showed up anyway, to have the fire on hand, but... Yeah, and have, like, some torches just kind of hanging out in the fire for them to grab.
2: Yeah, light yourself on fire.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So all this, <laughs> all this mountain climbing uh, stuff reminded me of a mountain climbing movie that I watched once called Touching the Void which sounds like some version of a porn or something but sounds like <laughs> yeah sounds naughty uh really good really good book uh, or really good movie I think it was actually a book but uh really good movie about uh the guy that loses his partner and gets injured and has to make his way down a mountain alone uh SCAD recommends Touching the Void
2: uh yeah there's a good book by John Crowick I think into, crack
0: power. Th- yeah, into uh, thin yeah. air it's about
2: the, one of the Everest expeditions, and they get stranded up there and have to do a rescue, and tons of people die, and they just leave the bodies up there.
1: It's crazy.
2: Yeah. There are bodies all over Everest.
1: You got a sack, and they don't to like the decompose the or anything. Yeah, they don't decompose or anything. Yeah. they're just there, all yeah. frozen. They're gonna Probably. wake up
0: like Ted Williams one day. <laughs> <laughs> Brooks, like Ted, who?
2: I think that's an American news anchor.
0: <laughs> A uh, baseball player.
2: Oh, damn it!
0: That's okay. You might be thinking of Brian Williams. That's a news anchor, isn't it? Anyway. Maybe, yeah.
2: maybe from Thirty Rock. What does Ted Williams look like? Like one of those frozen Arctic expedition guys, and they found their bodies, and the teeth are all like the lips are all pulled back over the teeth.
4: Well,
0: I don't know. I'm kind of speaking out of my ass a little bit. Ted Williams, the legend. I mean, he he's one of the greatest hitters of all time. Um, in baseball career three hundred average. I mean, he was really good, and uh, he supposedly paid to freeze himself.
2: What?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know all the details. Like Walt Disney? Yeah, I don't even know if it's true.
1: I, just heard it, but mm. so, so Scott, I noticed that you called her egret. Yeah, and it's actually why wygrite.
2: What really? No, I am just
1: <laughs> I said <laughs> how I want wygrite. So uh, was
0: I
2: nasty
1: tonight. I, <laughs> I almost I almost butchered
0: it when I during the summary, but I always said egret. Um, you said egret. I did well because I, I I think at first I was confused by it. So, I shouldn't say always. At first, I was confused right. by it, but then I thought of the movie Clue and the character Yvette. And I thought, oh, it's just like Yvette. It's Egret.
1: Egret. Mm-hmm. I sometimes say Egret. Oh? I don't know. I say it about three different ways in my head every time. So, I don't have a standard pronunciation for her weird name. But they could have just put the Y at the end and called her Gritty. That would have been cool.
0: Oh, that's good. I like that. Suiting. Hmm, and that's, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. So, uh, what's up with John being a big softy?
0: Yeah, I wanted to bring that up with you, Brooke, so badly. Misogyny or chivalry? You make
1: the call. Hard yeah, to if say. this was a dude, would John have made a different choice?
2: Yeah, well, he didn't seem, like, particularly taken with her wiles. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the onion pug breath, nose. the pug nose, the yeah. wild hair. Obviously, not a thing for gingers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like it, it
2: wasn't like her beauty and grace staying his hand.
0: No, that yeah. No, yeah. I
2: think it was honestly. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Well, yeah, that's kind of why I feel like it's just misogyny in a way, right? Oh, like yeah. Just because I don't think a well, woman, misogyny is her.
2: is you hate women, right? And I think that in this case, he just underestimated her and maybe felt like a pang of of. Uh, well, it, she, it did said that she reminded him of her sister, Aria. of his yeah. sister, Arya. He's probably just used to women being more defenseless and innocent, yeah. and so he immediately felt protective. I wouldn't chalk it up to some generalized women or dumb theory, personally. Why mm. do you think that is? Why he did I don't, not know?
0: Ah I, I, I don't know. It, like, just what you said there at the end, just... If your first instinct when you find out someone's a woman is that you feel you need to protect them,
1: that's That's the world he grew up then, right? Where women are not the enemy; it's usually the men. That's just how it is for him. Where men only insult things with a sword?
4: You mean?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly (laughs) what I mean.
2: Not all men, according to Scad. Not all men.
0: Did you did you guys react at all to John volunteering to go and them all just being all like, alright? You got this yeah, this stone snake guy who's repeatedly like the best eyes and the best climber. It's like, alright, that makes sense. John who's got a fucked up hand, has never been north of the wall, never fought a wild thing, is like, I'll be the second guy and they don't even blink an eye. He's got spunk, though. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: Like was he bored? Did he feel responsible?
0: I think he just wanted adventure, but I'm more, I'm more surprised yeah. by the lack of response from the others. Like, maybe
1: let's let Squire Dalbridge go or something. Well, they probably wanted Squire Dalbridge to stick around, because he's the one who they say has the best eyes. And so they probably want him to stick around to watch for them when they get to the top of the mountain and drop yeah. the burning thing. And all, maybe they want his eyes there on the ground. Dalbridge has the best um,
0: eyes. It's Stonesnake that can see in the dark the best.
1: Stone Snake is the really good climber. Yeah, he can get anywhere, even at night, and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, that guy is amazing. Oh, just, yeah. oh I just have shivers. Yeah, oh, oh.
1: yeah, yeah it, they see they are very open to um, to letting John to letting John prove himself.
0: I don't know. it reminded I, me a, I, it reminded me a little bit of, of Battlestar Galactica with the I think we've talked about this before that Kara Thrace can just do anything. She's like, <laughs> oh, we need a lawyer yes, this can. episode. Kara, would you like to be a lawyer today? Yes. and like she could like Darmack.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, she's
1: so great. John but then Cor- You ever climb mountains? Thanks. Let's give it a shot, buddy. But then Corin's like you got to leave ghost here. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the tip. All right.
0: Mhm. Um,
2: should we save further John talk to the next John chapter? John uh, episode this one. All right. I'm going to take it on to Sansa then.
3: Don't know when the prince will come, but surely he's a gonna come for Sansa Stark. He'll be looking like a tole and a daddy killed a wolfy Sansa Stark.
2: So, at the moment, King's Landing is blanketed in smoke and ashes. Tyrion has burned all the homes and structures clinging to the outer walls, and Stannis has arrived in style, burning the Kingswood outside the city in retaliation towards Tyrion's mountain clansmen, who are harrying Stannis' supply lines and killing his scouts. In further retaliation, Tyrion has ordered the clansmen to burn every blade of grass Stannis' horses might eat. So, mutually assured destruction is obviously quite pleasing to Rolora. We learn of these military movements from a drunk Dantos who reports to an impatient and inwardly anxious Sansa in the Godswood in um, King's Landing. Dantos, as a fool, overhears far more than when he was a knight at court. So Sansa thinks the time is right for Dantos to make good on his word to help free her while the castle is distracted with the oncoming war. But Dantos, even drunk, knows that while they might make it out of the Red Keep, there is no way they'll make it out of the city gates. And there are no boats or ferries to take them across the river anyways, every floating piece of wood having been conscripted by Tyrion. Dantos tells her to be patient that he has already made arrangements with a friend who's conveniently out of the city, but has promised Dantos a ship, which kind of sounds like Dantos has a girlfriend in Canada. Sansa leaves the godswood to mope from the roof of her bedchamber's tower, free to roam around the castle without a guard since they're all busy fighting for our beloved King Joffrey. She scans the view in despair and while she doesn't, Explicitly think of jumping. She's still startled when out of nowhere the hound grabs her and pulls her back from the ledge. So then the hound and Sansa talk, and their exchange is pretty raw. Sansa rightfully fearful of the hound's rough anger, and Sandor golding Sansa into losing her well practiced ladylike composure. So topics discussed in distressing detail. One, how Sansa never thanked the Hound for saving her during the riot. Eddard Stark's beheading. The Hound's love of killing. The Hound comparing himself to a butcher, and everyone he kills is just meat under his sword, even women and children. How only cowards fight with fire. How Stannis is no Robert, and somewhere Stannis' jaw is, like, clenching all by itself. (laughs) He doesn't know why sandor is worried about dying isn't worried about dying in the upcoming war because there is no hell no evil and no gods to punish him in the next life and of course they discuss that knights are scum sansa when are you going to embrace that so sansa in what is obviously some serious post-traumatic stress that night dreams that she was not saved by the hound during the riot instead pulled from her horse and kicked and stabbed through the belly so many times Her lower torso is just wet ribbons of skin and bloody flesh. And she wakes up to discover that she's flowered into a woman and it's a doozy. She's bled through her nightgown and the sheets and her blankets right down to the feather bed. So Sansa immediately realizes this means she can now wed Joffrey and bear his children. And this freaks her the crap out, understandably she has to be restrained when she burns her sheets and blankets and then tries stuffing her entire feather mattress into the fireplace, too. Which, to me, is, like, hilarious. This this young teenage girl <laughs> stuffing a mattress <laughs> into a fireplace. It really is funny think, to think Thinking about. that this is a great solution to yes. her problems. Totally reasonable. No, no one will have, ask what happened to no the mattress. No one ever questions. Yeah. So, the, the mattress does not fully burn, but the smoke does ruin all of her clothes in her bedchamber, and she has to take a bath, and blah, 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 and this whole incident damns her to breakfast with Cersei. Where Sansa gets the girl, you're a woman now talk, and Cersei, mother of the year, assures Sansa that a woman's life is nine parts mess for every one part magic. (laughs) And that Sansa is naive in thinking that her first period would be more flowery than it was. <laughs> Anyways, we go on to discuss how Sansa's expectations, uh, expectations for Sansa are going to increase from here on out. It's up to Sansa to not worry about it and also stop romanticizing love because it is poison. Cersei is again, totally on point point. and uh, that's pretty much the end of the chapter. Sansa, girl, you're a woman soon now.
4: Don't you know, girl? You'll be a woman soon. Please
0: come take my hand. Nice pull.
2: Yeah, there. I I, I referenced the song.
0: <laughs> you did indeed. Sort uh, of. Go,
2: Brooke. Thanks, guys.
0: And Sandor's a liar. He says hell does not exist, but that breakfast with Cersei sounds pretty much like hell to me.
3: I know. I say, what about breakfast with Cersei?
1: <laughs> Which would be about as bad as that
3: song is. <laughs> and I said, what about breakfast? Breakfast with Sassy, she said, less magic and a little more messy, as I recall, she said "The love is a poison, and I said with your kid, that's certainly true.
0: Although a fantastic film,
1: Breakfast at Tiffany's. Indeed, one of my favorites. Yep, me too. We talked about this? Anyway. Yeah, we have. I've got a nice Breakfast at Tiffany's poster, just a great shot of old Audrey hanging in this very office where I'm sitting. I'm looking Aww. at it right now. Drooling a little bit out the side of my mouth. Okay.
2: You want that croissant? <laughs> yes.
0: That, <in> fact. <laughs> that was exactly it.
2: I love that we'd all appreciate that poster for different reasons.
0: <laughs>
2: uh. Uh, I feel like if the Hound was any other man, the, the way that Santa described her, his rescue of her during the riot would have been one of the bravest, most heroic, yeah. most romantic acts in the book. Like, mm-hmm. just amazing. Just like this this fearsome knight emerging out of the crowd, hacking hacking riders out of the way, pulling her up onto the horse, saving her almost effortlessly, but like gallantly. Them riding off back to the castle, but it's the hound, so. <laughs>
1: Yeah. It's yep. kinda
2: like uh, You're a monster. Yeah, she didn't even thank 'em. Mm-hmm.
1: She should have. Until
2: he cornered her up on a deserted tower.
1: <laughs> Thanks, She's mate. like,
2: um, hey, so about the other day.
1: <laughs> yeah. This, this goes is... past the burns, she says. It's in the eyes, right? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this and is Dwight Schrute says the <laughs> eyes are the groin of the head.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. The eyes are the groin of the head. That's great. Good old Dwight. Sorry, Skad. No, I was just going to say, this is the worst we've seen, Sander, in my opinion. Just more grim than ever. Just sure. Yeah. Threatening, almost. Just, yeah, I... I man, I, it seems like most of those scenes, we pull something out that, that kind of... I don't know, about redeems him, but at least makes you think like he's got his head on straight. This one just seems almost assaulting to her. Like right. I'm just intentionally trying to creep her out and scare her, not trying to enlighten her. Even though some of the information he gives is is enlightening, right? Well, I, the intent I wonder, seems worse.
2: I wonder if it's because he thought she was going to jump, and it really upset him. Maybe, and so and so he retaliated by, you know, going on the aggressive. Uh, the only going way he on knows the offensive how. yeah, yeah. Uh, the only way uh, by hurting her because he was hurt by talking about you know her father's headless dancing body on the steps of the great sept and um, what else oh how much he loves killing he really enjoys it because he knew that that would just disgust her and upset her
1: yeah kind of wake her up a little bit yeah you're I think he was really shaken Snap by her out of it.
2: Yeah, shaken by her, and then his emotions took over, and, yeah, poor guy.
1: Yeah. I was going to say he's a very human character, but he's also very severe in some of those human emotions he feels. Yeah, I mean, all yeah. this
0: stuff about killing, I, I don't think... Right. I mean, maybe we'll go back to the, the sword is always the answer thing, discussion from last episode, but, you know, I don't think Eddard felt that way at all about killing men. And I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of them... I don't think Selmy does either, and I I mean, I think maybe he's just trying to prove a point. Like Brooke is saying, or, or his emotions got the better of him, but I don't know. Mm. I don't think that's the way everyone thinks about killing. Mm-hmm.
2: That's how I think about it. You're right. You certainly do. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't kill anything.
0: Dude, I knocked a bird out of a nest with a lawnmower when I was a kid and uh, accidentally ran over it and killed it. Oh my god! I was a wreck. Like, I learned that. I'm like, I am no good at all in war. I fail. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was traumatic for me. I was like, oh no, I killed something. Oh,
2: that's terrible. Yeah. 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 Don't even eat the animals.
1: I got I got a little upset with my kids for smashing bugs outside yeah, the other day. I do too. It's like, what are you doing that for? They're yeah. just little bugs. They're just living their lives. Yeah, <laughs> leave them alone.
2: Yeah, they have to learn that. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> oh,
0: different... they but at the same body. time, I've raided millions of them, like a oh, yeah. complete what? holocaust, basically, right on on this civilization. Because when it's when it's like when they're coming to your home and there's like a huge pile of them. You have to, right? Like, you can't just let them live, kind of, right? Are like you living in, like, infesting.
2: like a haunted house? How are all these bugs getting into your home? Well, no,
1: they're not in there, they're just like spiders on the airs in our house yeah. all the time. Yeah. I get spiders inside all the time, and those guys are goners. Yeah. I will kill them every day. Yeah.
2: They keep the other bugs away. Okay. You know what? Let's move on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You know what else is for killing? Knights are for killing.
2: (laughs) They sure are, according to Sandor. Mm -hmm. He's right on that account. And she is still, like, not all knights. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. But isn't that what their job essentially is? Isn't he right?
2: He is right. He's absolutely right. One might argue that their job is the defense of the realm. Right. But the defense requires killing.
1: The defense (laughs) requires bloodshed.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to bring up uh, during Cersei and Sansa's discussion, which was excellent. Um, At one point, Cersei brings up that um, Tyrion and Robert have the disease of wanting to be loved. And it got me thinking, who else has this disease in the
0: books? But honestly, it's really. Well, Theon does. We just talked about it in his chapter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know for sure. Um,
2: But that's why George is so good, is that he writes so many gray characters, and these characters who want to be loved are usually well. I want to call Robert White. If oh wait, actually I want to stop using this metaphor.
0: Yeah. This sounds like it's going down a a very dangerous path.
2: White (laughs) and
0: listens plummet.
2: Oh man, that was so unintentional.
1: (laughs) Reframe and action.
2: Yeah, so it just got me thinking, who else in the books falls into this category? As you mentioned, Theon, desperate to be loved, desperate for acknowledgement and validation. I would say maybe Lord Mormont wanted to be loved because he was really, he really tried to please the Black Brothers.
1: Hmm. Oh, huh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, well, And he wants to be loved by John. Sure because, it does. Holy, holy cow.
2: cow. Wow. Oh, man. I
1: thought we were going to get out of here without that. Okay.
2: <laughs> Are you kidding me?
1: It's one of my favorite theories that we've come up with. The
2: book is soaking in it.
1: <laughs> soaking in something. <laughs> the the Samwell mormon. Snow Love Triangle. Yeah. jeez, oh, jeez.
2: Um, maybe, maybe Littlefinger? I think he less wants to be loved and more wants to be admired.
1: Mm. Oh, I think he's a Machiavellian, I would say, uh, wants to be feared guy. Mm. I would say Rickon, but to a more innocent degree. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he's always acting up. Yeah. He's four years old and he wants attention. Uh, Danny, definitely not. No. Um,
2: Dragons don't need to be loved.
1: No. I would even say Cersei Except doesn't to really care.
2: No, seriously, doesn't care. Hmm. She wants but, to um, be
1: respected.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know, Renly did. Renly Definitely. needed to be loved. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think Stannis kind of does to a degree too, but he's not willing to change to be loved. Like whenever he talks about, they always they love Renly and they love Robert. <laughs> blah blah blah. blah. He, like he whines about. Do it they like ever, ever love kinda, me? Yeah. Like he's jealous, but yeah. not to the point that he'll change. <laughs>
0: like he's
2: just like if he ever got a hug, he just punch doesn't them. understand why people don't love him. Yeah. If he ever got <laughs> a hug,
0: though, he'd punch them. I don't. Like yeah. I don't think he'd like, he
2: punches way out of that
4: hug. Yeah. <laughs> He's not gonna. <laughs> Did you
1: see Did the you hug one of those in... guys that that gets and he tucks an arm in between him and the person hugging him real quick? <laughs> Have you yeah. seen like they sneak an arm in Have before you... they can? Hug him. Have you seen <laughs> Step Brothers? The yeah. hug in Step Brothers is the
0: best thing ever with Will Ferrell and uh, Adam. Uh, I failed his name.
4: He's What's in
0: Parks and Rec. You guys should know this guy. Oh, Adam Scott. Adam Scott. Thank you. Oh, God. Wow, <laughs> that's embarrassing. That last name? Wow. wow. Adam Scad. I missed it.
2: You have become the Scad.
0: Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what,
2: what, what do we do now? We could hug. Yeah, you'd like that, faggot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but I think she's pretty spot on with that. We've had the discussion before about Tyrion's kind of quest it's, it's to It's an be interesting
2: loved. way to categorize people. And, yeah, and it's also interesting that Cersei is fully aware of it. We've seen Tyrion get the upper hand over Cersei several times in this particular book, but mm-hmm. she's you know, she's not a dummy.
1: Yeah, she's got her finger on his pulse pretty well in that yeah, regard. Yeah. Does, does I think Tyrion's desire, thinking more about this though,
0: I think his desire to be loved is a little different. I think Tyrion could be completely happy winning the true love of one person and dwelling in that love. I think the position he's in his hand is kind of Opened his eyes to want to get the approval of, of all these people, but I don't think he needs it like Robert did. I don't think he needs it like uh, Renly. Did. I think you're right. I think he could, yeah. He could deal with very personal interpersonal love of mm. of one or a couple people,
1: but, but he's it never needs even to gotten, gotten someone, that right. It needs to be someone who's kind of on his almost kind of his respect list or yeah. someone that he kind of admires. Someone like Tywin, who we've talked about, um, even Shay at this point.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. But, but I but, agree. I, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but interesting point. All right. um, can we talk just real quick about uh, Dantos and Sansa? So, yes. listening to Sansa and Dantos give the details of the upcoming military engagement is like listening to drunk sorority girls talk about the economic plight of Somalia. <laughs> Like
2: kind of, kind of secondhand. They, like
0: they have no kind idea of, what they're talking about. You're kind like of,
2: kind of vague. Yeah, they, they, they formed can opinions, but they can't really back it up. Yes,
0: it's like all theoretical. It's like why am I wasting my pages listening to this? But also <laughs> creepy with a capital C with Dantos going in for the kiss. Like you owe her your <laughs> life. You fucked hard. You don't get <laughs> kisses. That's not how this works. Give me
1: a kiss. I would
2: chalk that up to just being a creepy old man. Can't help
1: it. Who's in his cups. Creeper's gonna creep.
2: Yeah, I kind of feel like a flush of secondhand embarrassment whenever they have He's it on the screen. screen. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, Dantos, what are you going to say yep.
1: next? Yeah. Oh. Almost like, yeah, like on those shows where you know something embarrassing is going to happen to someone and it's almost <laughs> hard for you to watch. Yeah,
2: like watching out of one eye. Oh. Yeah.
1: Like, oh, this is going to happen. It's not going to be pretty.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Sansa really exhibiting a lot of signs of like PTSD. Yes. Like,
1: that extreme trauma.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Like that's so is understandable.
0: So much fear that she like basically takes a torch to her whole room. Yeah. Like that's what her brain is dealing with. The, that that mm-hmm. something so bad has happened to her that she has to light her whole room on fire to try to cover it up. That's yeah, it's awful. I can, I mean, yeah. I can't imagine how being a man, I can't imagine how bad that event must be the first time to begin with. But wrapping up all of this, what it really means for the future of her life, in addition to it, ugh, I, ugh yeah. just traumatic for her. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, looking back, actually, her reaction... Kind of reasonable.
1: <laughs> the first Who time, are we to say? The, we'll, we'll defer to you, buddy. Yeah,
2: okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll handle this one, guys. All right. <laughs> okay. the, the first time is horrific. Yeah. You're like, oh, why is this happening to me? Just the, the It's not just. The blood aspect, your whole body is just in complete turmoil. Yeah, there's the pain of cramps. um, You're bloated. You're just mood swings all over the place. That is not an exaggeration. One second, you'll be like, and the next second, you'll never have felt better in your life. It's wildly, wildly fluctuates. Um, Whatever the case, the first couple of times, you're like, I will never be able to do this every month for the rest of my life. And then you just get used to it. And it's wow. just like like Danny and in the like,
0: saddle sores.
2: Totally, you just kind of like it's just, it's just part of life. There's no use complaining about it because it happens to every woman. No use talking to men about it because then they'll just be like, "Well, have you ever been kicked in the balls?" And you're like, "Shut up!"
0: <laughs> no, they'll just be like, "I have a sword here. What do you want me to do with it?" I could cut. We solve everything with a sword.
2: <laughs> Anyways, um. <laughs>
0: I was trying to think of something comparable and uh, kicking the balls I guess is it's so much more temporary that it's insulting to compare the two.
2: Well I, I don't think I, well.
0: the, the confusion maybe I thought like like a first wet dream or something, like the confusion <laughs> that comes along with what's going on. You know, but
2: yeah, there's significantly less orgasms <laughs> yeah,
0: Well that's what I mean. It's, <laughs> it's 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 confusing, but there's no pain or like Yeah, there's fear. No pain. Yeah, there's no yeah. pain at all.
3: <laughs> that was if, awesome. If it's pain what <laughs> Please see a physician.
1: Uh, I want to go back to sleep. Try for another one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I never thought that. But, you know, the confusion was what I was going for. Uh, neither did I. I just mean, like, some people maybe did. Some, oh. some, some other... <laughs> my friend who told me... People I've talked to,
4: you know.
2: Wow. Anyways. Yeah, I there. has a really good line to describe it. It just says that... How does it go like uh apparently this is her flower blooming but she's never felt less flowery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yep.
4: <sighs>
2: Anyways. Um and anything d- else you guys want to say on the well, topic? Well,
0: just a quick tip of the cap to Gurm for uh I don't know, recognizing the trauma that would surround that and writing it so well. Eh? Yes, no. <laughs> yeah. I-
1: Here's, here's, I really here's, thought that her reaction was actually quite realistic yeah, I, for someone in her position.
0: Yeah, I think it was... I mean, yeah, we're, we're funning on her a little bit, but I, I think it was well done from, from George to try to put his brain in the mind of a, of a girl going through that. I thought it was well done.
2: Yeah, I would I would say that her reaction really stemmed from the realization that now she was like...
0: Yes. job cattle, yes. but...
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, she's been sitting around in limbo for a while... And this yeah. moves her out of that into the next chapter for life right mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah that would be pretty ooh, pretty monumental and yeah he did a great job I would say
0: yeah It reminds me of uh, um, there's a line in uh, as good as it gets Jack Nicholson and that in that plays a writer mm-hmm. and uh, he writes from the car- from from the oh, side of, of women say. yes and and I always found this to be terrible. But they, the, the girl says, how do you write women so well? And he says, I think of a man. And I take away all reason and
3: accountability.
2: How do you write women so well?
3: I think of a man. And I take away reason and accountability.
0: That's it. It's the, but but what, I, it? what I'm getting at is I don't think Gurm
1: views it that way at all. No. Nope. Uh, fi- final thing from me is just the biggest <laughs> moment of that chapter was when Cersei called her darling Joffrey, quote unquote, difficult. <laughs> yeah. Joffrey's a bit difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Wow.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then, but then alluded to his difficulties, like the height of them being that she went through a, a day and a half of labor. Right. Yeah, he was difficult. <laughs> After well, that, he yeah. wasn't really my problem, though. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: boys will be
3: boys.
2: Mm. Okay, ready to move on? Yeah. All right.
3: Um, go for Matt. Where we're going up north where the winter's cold And the icicles bloom like the bluest rose We haven't met his mom, but we love his wolf He's John Snow
1: Making their way deeper and deeper into the skirling pass, this our small reconnaissance party of John Corin, Heffend, Eben, Squire Dalbridge, and S- Stonesnake and Ghost continue their mission to find out what's up with the wildlings so While pausing for a rest, John remarks to Corin that he corrin had never asked him how it went with the girl, so to John's surprise, Corin correctly deduces that John let her go and asks her why. John replying that she had no evil in her eyes and had yielded, and that without weapons and with her being on foot, she would pose very little danger to them. Corrin actually agrees with John, saying that if he'd actually needed her dead, he'd have had one of the others do the dirty work. He reminds John of his careful phrasing of the order regarding Agreed, saying he didn't order John to kill her. He commanded him to do what needed to be done. You gotta do what you gotta do. He concludes by saying that to lead men... You must know them, and that he knew John better than he did this morning. I love corn. <laughs> John then takes some time for a nap, which proves to be uh, interesting. So, falling deeply into sleep, he begins to dream of direwolves. Indeed, uh, he kind of is one in this dream. And he notices that there were six direwolves, but now are only five and all of them separated. He feels kind of the loneliness and incompleteness that accompanies that knowledge. And as the dream goes on, he hears a voice calling his name. And after looking around, he realizes it's coming from, wait for it, a weirwood tree. And not only that, but the face in the weirwood looks like his brother. Which one we are not told, but the face has three eyes instead of two. And tells him not to be afraid, and that he just needs to open his eye. The tree then touches John, which magically seems to transport him back into the mountains, again as ghost. There he finds himself looking into a wide valley filled with a host of thousands milling about. Men, women, children, even large creatures who he describes as the biggest boars he's ever seen. And equally large, as he describes it, mannish-type creatures. As he's taking this all in, he's suddenly attacked by an eagle, and after being attacked like that, is thrust back to reality, waking and screaming in the process. So when the other men shush him and ask him what's wrong, John, without reservation, reveals everything that he saw in his dream, and to his surprise, and mine as well, the men seem to take it all in stride. They don't dismiss it as a silly dream, and Eben even mutters the word, skin-changer. As they prepare to leave and investigate more into John's vision, they notice an eagle watching them, all of them getting the feeling that it was indeed the same one that attacked John in his dream. And the pieces start to fall even more into place when John finds Ghost, injured and bleeding from gashes in his neck. So after providing some quick first aid to Ghost, Corrin makes a fateful decision. The eagle could be a spy for the wildlings, and they can't risk going any further. They've got to get back to Mormont at the Fist of the First Men to report on what John saw before the wildlings get to them first. So riding through the night, they arrive back to the site where John and uh, Stonesnake had killed the wildlings and where John had let agreed escape. Knowing of its strategic positioning, Corrin leaves Squire Dalbridge, who's one of the best archers in the Watch, there so he can pick off as many wildlings as he can and cover the escape of the others. And as John uh, deduces, most certainly die in the process. And the last thing John hears as they begin fleeing is a hunting horn echoing through the mountains. And Corrin says something along the lines of, here they come, right? And that made me think of Gandalf. But that's the end of the chapter.
0: They are coming.
1: Yeah, they are coming. Thanks, Gad. They are coming. Mines of Moria, yeah. Yeah,
0: it was I actually it. Gandalf reading uh, from the book right in uh, right uh, Balanced Tomb. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was yeah. Ori.
1: when uh, Pippin drops the thing down the well and stuff.
3: Yeah. Yep, I'm a fan of Lord of the Ring. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Look, we gotta pull a nerd card out every once in a while just to make sure everyone knows it's still true. Yes, <laughs>
2: it's kind of crazy though because when they decided to turn back, they were still. Really basing that decision on John's dream? Yes,
0: yeah. Corin That's is the anti-Luin, right? <laughs> he
2: is totally. Holy cow! Yeah, almost too into this magic stuff.
0: Yeah, this is some reasonably small evidence, huge decision based off of it, and just goes. Yeah,
1: and I mean, the other guys right. seem totally cool with it too. Like, yeah. these Shadow Tower dudes are totally my type. I would want to be at the Shadow Tower if I were in the Night's Watch.
2: Oh my gosh, especially, um, especially Squire Delbridge, who is hardcore. Yeah!
1: yeah.
4: Like,
2: yeah. we need someone to stay behind. Yeah. Definitely gonna die. He's like, yeah, no problem. Just leave me all your arrows. My give job. My, give my Garen an apple when he gets back.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. This is the Night's Watch and at this its is- best.
1: Right. Self-sacrifice, yeah, no explanations, where the no wives and kids and things holding them back becomes really valuable. Mm. Right. Yeah, And it's where you see why they take the vows that they do so that someone like Dalbridge will just go without reservation up onto that mountain and protect his brothers until the end. It's, it's so really cool. It's I really agree. cool because it you've seen. Like sorry, was, go
2: ahead. Nope. Go ahead.
1: Well, I I, uh, I was just gonna
0: say I, th- I feel like we've seen a lot of dysfunction in the Night's Watch. Even mm-hmm. even so far as uh, one of the last chapter it was the last chapter we saw John before he went with this party. He overhears the people openly talking about um, betraying the you know uh, the Lord Commander's. Uh, orders, right? Like we feel I feel like we've seen a lot of disorder and dysfunction and you know, the training and Alistair Thorn's a dick and like all this stuff. But this is the Night's Watch. In the last chapter too, you know, Stone Stakes just volunteers and just goes, like, alright, let's do it. You know, like this is the Night's Watch at its best. This is what they're meant for, and
1: it was just awesome to read. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this that's is all, that's all these the Shadow Tower, tower the guys. Mountain. Yeah. It's all these Shadow Tower guys.
2: It, it's almost like there was a generation of black brothers and they were all connected because they knew Matt's Raider and they're mm. just sort of kick ass and totally into it. And I feel like that is maybe one of the things that influenced John to volunteer to go up the mountain because it was almost like, um, mm. like osmosis, this attitude of get her done leaking, leaking into him.
1: <laughs> Gross. Yeah. That's it, Brooke.
2: Yeah. Thanks.
1: I, I knew what you meant in both ways. I do words. Good. Uh, but yeah, I agree, and it's maybe it's part of them being from the Shadow Tower, and so they're kind of away from the politics of Castle Black, as yeah. it were. I don't know, or and it could be a, a generation type thing where it's just these guys that you know, were buddies with Mance. They know what to do. Uh, they're just hardcore. Um, I, I wonder. Corrin's kind of he's considered the second in command at Castle Black, right? Or at just Shadow Tower behind mm-hmm. Dennis Mallister. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to wonder if maybe some of it is due to his his leadership and just leading by example that guys kind of um, up their game after being inspired by the type of guy that Corrin is. Uh, we see some of that with John. And it could be the same with some of these other guys. I don't know. Although we know Dalbridge and stuff is older than Corrin, but yeah,
0: yeah. That, that's an interesting thought. So it's uh, kind of were they that way originally, or did they become that way because of different leadership received there rather than the leadership received at Castle Black? Right. Right.
1: I love Corin's uh, leadership style. Talking about knowing his men mm-hmm. and choosing the right ones for the job. You can tell that after this, after hearing that, you go, "Oh, so it wasn't when he when he went on this mission in the first place. He didn't just point to the first three brothers he saw and say, come with me.' You know, Eben. His interrogation skills. He'll do any job that's asked of him. He sounds like kind of the Jack Bauer of this party. Uh, Stone Snake is like a, this wonderful climber and everything, very valuable in the mountains. And Dalbridge, with his excellent eye and his archery skills, um, is, is very deliberate. Corrin's decisions are always very deliberate and calculated, uh, which makes you wonder hmm, his decision to take John. Mm. Yes, where that's going,
0: and and is this? I mean, you say it's calculated. One of the things he says when that was uh, when that decision was made was something about maybe the Starks still hold some power in these lands or something like that. I, I'm sure I didn't get that exactly yeah. right, but vaguely that. And you wonder now he's seeing it. Yeah, you wonder if this is what he's referring to. Like he did he have some sense of this? Yeah, uh, you know? The, off. Like yeah, maybe maybe right. it was just a lucky guess or something. But you know he's he sees the magic of you know the Starks and. Reacts accordingly, right? And it's almost just like he knew it would happen. It's kind of weird. Right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, he fell under John's unintentional spell as well.
0: <laughs>
1: Jeez. Oh,
2: speaking of John, poor <laughs> ghost. Oh! Yeah. Ghost didn't see it coming. He was being warped. He couldn't get out of the way.
1: He Ooh. got toe up. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but John was legit inside of Ghost, like brand right. style warging.
1: Yeah, and we get some more insight into warging one hundred and one of the pain that you can feel, even though John didn't actually have like cuts on his neck and stuff, but he could still feel as if he did. Yeah, Mm I think that's an interesting point to make about warging.
0: So what? What about this uh, discussion with the weirwood tree?
1: Yeah, looks Uh, like his brother. Yeah,
0: Uh, awesome. What? (laughs) 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 Where did this come from? All of a sudden okay, so we're we're like two layers deep into magic now. We're warped into a wolf and we're talking to a fucking tree as that wolf.
4: Yeah. <laughs> that and is that being represented a by
0: a brother. <laughs> yes. That's what maybe, maybe that's three With layers three deep. Three eyes. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. What?
2: Yeah. Pretty intense. And and the reader knows what's going on. Like all of the clues have been laid out for us. Now the connections are being made, but what will it? What? What? What will become of it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Who knows? Uh, first confirmation that giants and mammoths exist. Just a small note there, I guess.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I find it interesting that the Black Brothers haven't seen more of them. Yeah. Like they must be really far north.
1: Or those creatures have come really far south. Yeah. Sorry. More so than they normally would.
2: Yeah, I mean, like they. They dwell in happy, the very oh, yeah, far yeah, north. Like yeah,
0: yeah. Yep. I think I think they state that somewhere along the line. But, but.
2: kind of cool. Can you imagine if mammoths still existed? So great, such a cool animal.
0: I imagine it would be like elephants,
2: but bigger yes. and hairier, ear. Yes.
4: Yeah,
0: <laughs> hey bird.
2: Uh, yeah, so great chapter. Ready to move on?
1: Uh, I would one. be. Can in... I give one?
2: Oh, boy. Yep.
1: Oh, gosh. Mine's (laughs) quick.
2: Please do. Mine's
0: quicker, I'll bet. (laughs) I bet. Um, Following suit. Yeah. I love how
2: how there's, like, a long silence, and I'm like, okay, I think we've discussed everything. We can move on. I'm like, okay, ready to move on. You guys are like, oh, no, wait.
0: (laughs) Chill out, Brooke. Come on. Mine isn't even a talking point. I just need to pause so I can go get my book, because I left it upstairs and I have a passage to read.
2: Okay, so go ahead. All right.
0: Well, go ahead, Matt. has a point, actually, right? So go over with that, then I'll go get it.
1: I was just going to quote Robert E. Lee. I was watching... We were talking about the American Civil War before we started, and I was, just watched Gettysburg this past week. It took me about three days, because that movie is four and a half hours long.
4: <laughs> Bam! But
1: Robert E. Lee says... Uh, he's talking to General Longstreet, who is a general under him, and he says, Soldiering has one great trap. To be a good soldier, you must love the army. But to be a good commander... You must be willing to order the death of the thing you love. A lot of old in there. That's deep. Square Dalbridge.
0: I'm going to look like an asshole here, but Lee wasn't even at Gettysburg, was he?
1: Oh, he was there. Huh. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yep, I look like an asshat.
2: Okay, are we ready to move on? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Ready. Scads, take us to Tyrion.
3: Cripples and bastards and broken things, but the power of the mind can give you wings. Drinking and japing and yeah ladies, Tyrion, Lannister, or if you please.
0: Varus delivers a letter to Tyrion as he is on his way to see his sister. That's Tyrion's sister, not Varys' sister. The letter's contents. The Stark boys are dead. Not pinin', but uh, you get the idea. Tyrion relishes that he will get to see how his sis reacts to this news, and the reader may remember that Tyrion had some suspicions on Bran's earlier uh, condition in in the coma, and how his siblings may or may not have been involved. So this is huge news, um, and, you know, hits Tyrion, but he's also very interested to see how, how how it hits Cersei when it comes. So Cersei, kind of reminiscent of the scene of she and Ned in the Godswood, uh, concedes and admits to being seen by Bran and being a part of that fall, and uh, she just kind of shrugs it off. Not my fault, and dinner commences. So the two Stark boys dead, everything okay in land? I guess. Um, in a bit of irony, Circe questions the release of Tyrion's savages, To which Tyrion responds about their skills, indicating that he's using them as effectively as he can by having them harry the lines of Stannis as he approaches the city. Uh, She indicates that she knows Tyrion plans to use the Hound in battle rather than protecting the king. To which Tyrion actually indicates the king himself should be out there participating in battle. Um, That it does the men good to see their king, their leader, out there in the field participating in the battle. She isn't convinced, though. But throughout all of this, even even the letter uh, contents, you get the sense that you're not sure exactly what this dinner is about, um, that this banter is really just for play, that there's bigger game in the wood, enough game to make Triple B slaver. And indeed there is. Cersei has captured Tyrion's whore, his love, his first priority. Cersei has captured his one true prize. She taunts him as much as she can, lording over her victory, and it is hurting Tyrion hard. In truly awful timing, Cersei has taken this moment, mere days before the city will be bombarded by a huge battle, to take revenge on her brother's recent actions around, around her family, uh, namely capturing Tommen. But Tyrion calls her bluff. Cersei calls to bring in the whore. As Tyrion gazes on Aliaia, his act is perfect. He plays along, pretending she matters, and she plays along too. Tyrion promises revenge, though, in a passage that I must read. Uh, and Here it is. I've never liked you, Circe, but you were my own sister, so I never did you harm. You've ended that. I will hurt you for this. I don't know how yet, but give me time. A day will come when you think yourself safe and happy and suddenly your joy will turn to ashes in your mouth and you'll know the debt is paid. As it might anyone, this unnerves Circe and uh, and she bolts. Somehow Tyrion has still won <laughs> this this contest and hashtag Circe sucks at manipulating. As he returns to his chambers, he finds Shay waiting for him. She's come via a secret passageway hooded so she doesn't know exactly how she got there. And uh, this reader imagined the Indiana Jones scene exactly in the Temple of Doom uh, as Mm -hmm. he searches around for the secret entryway in his room. Uh, Shay trying to get his attention the whole time. I'm right here! I'm right here! So she tries to seduce him but it's all too contrived and and Tyrion just, he can't engage Uh, for the first time. Shay's unable to get him Going? Ready? Participatory? Um, So he's lying there with her in his arms, second guessing everything, but namely that Shay is who he thinks she is, who he thinks she is, and they fall asleep with that thought on his brain. A a lot of doubts and concerns. And that is how the chapter ends. Very disturbing chapter all around, uh, in Hmm. my opinion.
2: You know, Shay will never be safer than she is now.
1: Yeah, because Cersei thinks she's Yeah, got. Yeah, er. yeah.
2: Why? Because Tyrion was so convincing in his like promise of vengeance Mm -hmm. over uh, Alaya
0: that
2: that Cersei would never suspect. There's another.
0: Yes, Uh, the loyalty of Alaya That's a song title for you, Matt. The loyalty of Alaya and why she feels the you know the need to be this loyal to him. And mm-hmm. uh, how brave she's being! It's a, it's a truly great moment from a minor character. Um, I loved it. I love that moment. I
1: agree. Mm-hmm. She could easily just have shown them the secret passageway, taken them to Shay. That she's the one you want, but nope, she's playing along for now. Yeah. And exactly. it, yeah, it's it's. I'm curious as to why. Well,
2: when Tyrion did meet her the first time. She was pretty okay with him not staying around giving her pleasure because she's like, I'm just gonna sleep.
4: Okay, and
1: that's so, like free money, yeah. yeah. It's like a break. So, so yeah. being
2: captured, and Cersei will probably take relatively good care of her kind of a vacation from whoring, I suppose. <laughs> I don't
1: know, it didn't look <laughs> Sorry, like Cersei, she taking has has care of her around, <laughs> she's yeah. been knocked around, already.
4: yeah, yeah.
1: I
0: get the impression they have not been kind to her, but that they're going to start because of what Tyrion threatened. Um, mm. So she'll probably start seeing the benefits of that vacation you're talking about now, but I don't think it's been a, a hayride till now.
2: No, sure enough. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it is impressive.
0: So, just I don't even know what to call it. Brilliant? Or, I mean, they alluded to it, uh, maybe, in the last chapter, that, that, that it's uh, maybe not all on the up-and-up, but Gurm has basically told us that two of the five Stark children are dead. Mm-hmm. Off-page, in a letter. Yeah. Uh, and Something uh, I wouldn't put past Gurm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, w- look, we don't know much from this. We have the shady scene with Reek, you know, a few chapters ago. We have this stating that they've basically been found and killed.
1: Read into it what you will. I guess <laughs> I, don't, I don't know yes. if you guys want to expand on that. I, I just know that after Edard died, I was open to anybody dying at that point. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So, uh,
0: what else? Uh, it's just kind of the Lannisters. Fuck them. I mean, there's a, there's a line in there where, where I think Cersei says, "What injury has House Lannister done?" Just in general, it's like you have done so much injury to so many. How how can you be this naive, right? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, she's very Theon in her attitude there. Uh, like ah, good comparison. Like we haven't burned you with our pet dragons. You should you owe us fealty because we have not conquered you with. Killing, we just tricked.
0: Except they even have done that in the Riverlands, but eh. I guess. Meanwhile,
1: Cersei's setting this tasty table.
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, why do they yummy 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 food? Why do they stuff everything? (laughs) Am I the only one that just wants my chicken to be a fucking chicken?
4: Yes.
0: We're the exact same way. (laughs) I don't want pizza. Yeah, I you know stuff crust pizza is about where I draw the line. I've seen Pizza Hut's <laughs> hot dog pizza. You have seen what? this? Right. Yeah, they that's, actually that's have like, hot, like in the crust? Yes, hot There's little hot mini hot, dog hot dogs in the, crust. In the uh, crust. So like almost like little uh, pigs in a blanket or whatever, almost as part of uh, the crust. And so you just rip actually, them off, and you got hot dogs and pizza. Oh,
4: with sounds amazing! Actually, yeah, I
0: don't that know. Might be good. I mean. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I just don't. I don't. I don't
0: want my crabs stuffed with a bunch of other things or my anything. I just cook the things on their own merit. You know.
2: Do you like spicy food? Do you like sauces? I feel mm. like you don't like these things.
0: I'm not. I don't like spicy foods. I like sauces, though.
1: I mean, if they're not, I, I'm not a huge spice guy. I can handle some.
4: Mm.
0: Yeah,
1: I like my steak straight. Like, I don't even eat it with steak sauce or anything. oh, nothing. No.
4: I'm the same way. Putting anything on a steak is an insult to the steak. What
2: on your French fries?
1: Yeah, I just eat French fries straight up.
2: Have you ever dipped them in mayo?
1: I've dipped them in fry sauce. Uh, We have fry sauce
0: here, Brooke. Which fry sauce? Oh,
1: you don't want to know.
2: What? Oh my gosh!
1: Send you some. It's amazing. (laughs) To the
4: Googler. Yeah,
1: it's it's basically it's basically mayo and ketchup. ketchup. It's It's basically mayo and ketchup. You just mix mayo and ketchup. You could try it. Go grab some cool. mayo and ketchup. Wow, and mix I started it
2: typing together. in fry sauce, and the first thing that came up was fry sauce recipe Utah.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's a Utah thing. A Utah, Utah thing. and Idaho a little bit, um, but uh, yeah, if you go out like you go to Arizona, the they're like, thing. "What is this?" Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Huh? Look at that. Mayo, ketchup, onion power, and pickle juice.
0: Yeah, that it sounds d- disgusting. And so, well, so. I can't believe we're going to this depth for this, but different restaurants will have their own versions of it, basically, and um, use various combinations of those recipes, or those ingredients.
2: Now I must have it.
0: It's mm. pretty tasty, I admit. I wasn't a when fan of it. When you come for years, down but... for uh, Star Wars 7's opening night. Yeah, we're not <laughs> letting that go, Brooke. It's happening. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Uh,
2: I appreciate the invite, don't get me wrong. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, You guys are also invited to come to Calgary.
4: mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Let's go to Calgary. Both of our
2: respective homes are so distasteful. (laughs)
0: Let's go to Calgary in December. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, back to the chapter. Uh, I don't have a whole lot more on it, to be honest. I mean it's kind of it it is what it is. Um I, I don't feel like there's a ton of intrigue beyond what's mentioned and, and the plots that are that are kind of thrown out there. Do you guys have anything to add?
1: So I one of the things I wondered about was how Cersei found Al- Aliaya. And Tyrion wonders that too. I
0: uh, uh, I thought back. They just tail him to Aliaya's place. Isn't I, that e I remember- isn't
2: that easy? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was set up so that it looked like he was seeing her, like he would go up I, with her to that secret room.
3: But I
1: had a moment, guys.
0: Oh, okay. okay. Go no, with your it moment. Wasn't
1: much of a moment.
0: <laughs> I don't want to cheapen your moment. I just
1: remember that one of the first times they were going up there to Aliya's place, there was a. And this is. I'm cheapening this enough, just giving it time on the air. But. Um, there was. They said they saw no one on a street, but this old crone lady or old lady just uh, waddling around out in the street. And I wondered, what's that old lady? Why would you know? It's Chekhov's rifle or whatever. What's she doing? What, why would they even deign to bring her up? But wasn't and now? I'm wondering if she was Cersei's spy.
0: But wasn't that after he'd made the switch at Aleija's place? I don't remember. I guess
4: mm, I thought they saw that lady right. on the
0: road with when he was riding with varus and varus was giving the whole speech about they'll see a kid on the a horse mass. yeah mm-hmm. that they'll mm-hmm. see a kid on the horse because that's what you're presenting or whatever Maybe you not. could be right i could be wrong you could be right. oh, oh i know yeah. i may be right i may be wrong
1: you may <sighs> be crazy yeah. but
3: it just may be a lunatic you're looking for <laughs> thanks for picking thanks right. for picking
1: that up man i appreciate it.
2: All right, everyone, now it's time to move on to the spoilery segment of our podcast, Davos After Dark. Uh, for those of us leaving us now who do not wish to be spoiled for the rest of the series, thank you so much for listening and join us in two weeks for episode 29, where we'll be discussing Catlin 7, Theon 5, Sansa 5, Davos 3, and Tyrion 13, chapters of A Clash of Kings, which are also chapters... 55 to 59, according to a wiki of Ice and Fire. So let's uh, get going. Davos After Dark. Davos After Dark. Skad, you want to kick us off?
0: I'm so sorry for making the brand Wiccan thing so awkward. I didn't know how to deal with it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think it was awkward. I think it's very obvious what's happening, but... You know what's?
1: You've got to be careful. Wow!
2: What, oh, what I'm so excited yeah. to start talking about is they're down in the
3: crypts. They're yeah. still in the castle. Yeah. Oh, they and we. Even leave.
0: And we just got so in that chapter that, that that Theon chapter where they're being hunted, and we assume they're on the run. The very next chapter, you get John, where they relate the story of the people hiding in the crypts.
2: Yes. The very yeah. next
0: chapter,
1: Gurm, you were mm-hmm. a brilliant individual. Yeah. There was another time he did that too uh, with Catelyn. Sorry, I'm not quite prepared. Oh, so uh, right after that Theon chapter in the John chapter, that's the same chapter actually, it says the wind cut like a knife up here and shrilled in the night like a mother mourning her slain children.
0: Oh.
2: oh. Wow. That's trolley. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. Mm. Good catch. Derm was on one in this uh, in that First John chapter we read, yeah. All sorts of like funny little one-liners, brand the Brandon the daughterless and stuff. And <laughs> that was good. Little things. He was just on one. He was happy.
0: No. But so so when I don't, I don't remember. Maybe we shouldn't spend time on this. But when did they double back? How did they do this? Do you guys recall? Do they do they reveal exactly how they did it?
2: I don't think they ever doubled back. And was Lewin in on it?
0: Uh, no. Okay. Uh-uh. I don't think so. I think he's as surprised as, or he's fooled by the kids as everyone else is.
2: Yeah, I think Osha kills the one of the guards, probably opens up the gate, and Once then Bran the would through. have warged the yeah. the wolves through Yeah, and uh, sent them off hunting.
0: But then they come back, right? Oh, they're not in the crypts, are they? They're just waiting around outside? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there's a quick summary for a few chapters from now for everyone. <laughs>
2: Well, what's interesting too is that Wex doesn't really get a lot of airtime except for around this time. Yeah. And then later we find out that he followed um the the little party up north and I mean Davos when he is sent to go get Rickon gets the information from Wex. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah. That's, that's crazy reappears. how that comes
2: back around. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, and all started here.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, but a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty awesome plan, and I did, uh, I, I did believe it actually. I, I don't know whether I just didn't get what Reek was after in my, re- my first read, but I was on pins and needles about whether or not they were alive or dead.
1: Oh hmm. yeah, I was too. I didn't want to believe it, but like I said during the cast, I wasn't putting it past Germd to off him.
2: I can't remember yeah. what I thought.
1: But... So long ago.
2: <laughs> yeah. um, I think I think I probably wasn't worried because there was like a brand chapter later in the book. Like you could just see that.
1: Mm, I yeah, not There look... is one more brand chapter. didn't I didn't, yeah, I didn't look with, ahead.
2: But with Ned, that was it. <laughs> no more Ned chapters. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: but is like
2: twelve Ned chapters?
0: I think that brand chapter is the last chapter in the book, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm, yep
4: yes Uh, yes it is
0: yeah i remember being thankful that like oh i'm so thankful that
1: he told me before the next book (laughs) (laughs) yeah that and the and the john chapter the next john chapter is the second to last chapter of the book so he made us wait on john too Uh, which sucked of him
2: yeah yeah uh speaking of john and ghost um Scad, you brought up that when he, when in his dream, John is talking to the weirwood, um, ghosts could smell death. Yeah. So you believe? Go
0: ahead. Well, just I. Well, I think I said this on. I think I said it on our, our data so maybe we um, talked about it on the data so. Yeah, yeah, and I, it wasn't just me, um, but I just feel very much that Bran is on a dark path with all the blood mm. raven stuff and that maybe maybe that's not where it's going to end up but for a kid his age dealing with what he's dealing with the morality choices all that stuff it's going to get super dark and the fact that you know we've all kind of said before that we think the wolves have some innate you know ability to judge things correctly right and if ghost is smelling death that means something i don't that's not a good word to be smelling right and mm. it's, I don't know whose death he's talking about or whether it's just the decay of Bloodraven himself down there or what it is, but it doesn't sound good, does it?
1: Nope.
2: No, no, it does
1: I not. I agree that Bran's arc is heading in a, a
3: dark path.
2: Yeah, it seems like his destiny is to become a tree, so yeah, not great, not great.
0: Yeah, did you? I, I, I honestly, I don't even remember the first time I read these this chapter, responding much to the thing in the the, the face in the tree.
1: I don't know how I couldn't have. Yeah, I was very uh, prone to glossing over a lot of the visions. Dream and sequences and, and yeah, me too. I think in, so too. Yeah. In my first in my first read through, in my haste to get to the next yeah. actual song plot
2: lyrics point. stories. Oh, yeah. Bar tales, yeah. prologues, just—I,
1: I was conditioned yeah. that yeah. way from Lord of the Rings, and <laughs> Tolkien's three and a half oh my god,
0: and I'm like, nope, I'm, I'm sure, sure this is that. really good, but come on, <laughs> yeah.
2: maybe someone was singing it to me, but no,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, but you have to wonder if. uh you know, it it appears now from what we know of a, *A Dance with Dragons* that John's dream slash vision could actually be "quote unquote" future Bran from *A Dance yes. with Dragons* back communicating communicating with John, trying to teach him the ropes of warging and green seeing, perhaps, and all of yeah. that.
0: But now you get all *Back to the Future*y, don't you?
1: Yeah, this whole time is not uh, linear thing that Bloodraven yeah. introduces to Bran. It's it's really yeah. Ugh. It's yeah. it's it's that kind of thing where you kind of go Ugh, because it's interesting, but at the same time it's difficult to wrap your head around.
2: Why didn't they just fly with the eagles everywhere? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's really, anytime 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 you bring time travel type stuff in, stuff gets really dicey for me. It's it's one of the reasons I didn't like the the recent Star Trek film, the first one. I, I just. It seems like such an easy out, and if you've got a guy, Bran in this case, who can get into a tree, go back in time, communicate to people what needs to happen and change, then, like, that that's kind of unstoppable, isn't it? It's
1: like... Right, you're almost mm. creating kind of a god character.
0: Yeah, and, I don't know, and, and it seems like... Too but, many easy but, outs. Too many easy outs, but at the same time, if he's still there talking to the tree, then what he did didn't work, because... Yeah. B- because he's still there talking through the... T- you know, this is the loop that All I'm talking paradox. about, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it, my brain hurts when I think about that stuff too much. I would
2: argue that, yes, I agree with you. When time travel comes into it, it's just like, ugh, oh, forget it, right? Yeah. Because everything can be explained away. Uh, two good examples of where it works well. One, X-Men Days of Future Past. Just an excellent movie. Time really? travel used well to the movie Looper with Bruce Willis. Yeah, and, Looper was good. And yeah. I never and saw uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Really good. Yeah, the three Ooh, name really
0: the three name is awesome in that channeling Willis.
4: Yeah, they
2: they didn't really waste time explaining how the time travel works. So you weren't overthinking about all of the loopholes and paradoxes and problems and just the yeah. relativity how it didn't work out. They just kind of went along went on with the story and the story was really good.
0: Yes. It was way more about the characters than it mm-hmm. was about the time travel. The time travel the was time just the travel. facility of the story. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Yeah, I agree with you, Brooke. Although I, I disagree on X Men: Days of Future Past. I'm not a Wouldn't fan. What did you like about it? And anything? I didn't. I didn't like much about it at all. Oh. Yeah.
2: So too bad.
0: Yeah, I'm a okay. huge X Men fan, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty um, jaded. I'm pretty jaded on it.
1: Okay, that's kind of my feelings toward some of the Star Wars stuff. Wait, what? A little bit, the new stuff. How oh, I'm having a hard time with like the new books. Oh, and everything. the new
0: timelines and everything. All
4: right.
0: <laughs> one of our one of our Facebook fans put that timeline up of of all of mm-hmm. the content, and I, I was almost like, uh. I almost responded. Where do the legends fit in? <laughs> but I left it out for you.
1: And then you'd hear me grinding. like <laughs>
0: <waiting. laughs> yeah, Stan. You get all Stannis on me. Yeah, get all Stanisie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, looking back, do you think John should have uh, killed Egret, Egretty, Gritty? Why Why Grit? Pretty, pretty sure things would have gone a lot differently, but yeah. we would have probably ended up in the same place with the Wildlings.
0: Well, uh, my memory is, is
1: well, she, me a little she bit did, she... she
2: did stand for him a lot of the time, like because she claimed him. um yeah, I
1: don't think John would have made it as far. yeah, would they have Into been caught trust Did't she like overtake their journey
0: and report them and like tell them that they were coming? if she if he had killed her, would they have not been found by Orens Eagle and all that stuff, or am I misremembering that?
2: No, she was behind them on foot.
0: So but, she didn't... But when they come she... through the cave or whatever and they fu- and they and they run into them, she's with them then. So she's gotten back to Mance's party before they run into them. Right? Am I misremembering
1: this? Yeah. Egret follows him to uh Tormund to where is that what you're talking about?
0: Yeah, they, they I I can't remember where exactly she starts... they, they muddle through a cave or whatever and they come out the other side and they're just waiting there for them, right? Is that how that goes?
4: Mm, I
1: have to look it up. Yeah, I'm remembering that. So they they're going. The wildlings continue onto the wall, and they come to the first men, and they see everything. And um, Mance is all upset with John, I think, because John didn't tell him that the Night's Watch was there at the fist. I think so. To save, like, uh, that's when Agreat steps in and tells Mance that she's Um, like claimed him. I'm talking about way,
0: way, way before that. I'm talking about when the... So, they just left Squire Dalbridge to defend the pass or whatever, right? And they're going to run. But they they realize they're getting caught. And so, maybe I'm like confusing this with some whole other story. But, like, they realize they're getting caught, so they decide to take uh, this shortcut thing that they know about that they hope the wildlings don't. And they go through it. It's like a cave or whatever. And they go through it. And then when they emerge, they're just sitting there waiting for them.
1: Oh, yeah. And... Um... Igrid is with and, them yeah, at she's, that point. She's there, yeah, when like Corrin kills or Corrin is killed by
0: Right. That's right. Stuff. That's the whole Corin yeah. John scene, right? Okay. When they emerge from that cave. So what I'm getting at oh, is I think she got around to them before and told them these guys are coming, this is where and how. So I am thinking he should have killed her because they might not have been tipped off at all, and ghosts might have not ever got clawed and any number of other things. Maybe that's not okay. right. I don't know.
2: Whatever the case, I forgot how like unimpressed John was. Yes. When they first meet, as compared to how much he loves and adores her later. Yeah. <laughs> he was just not enchanted.
1: Well, yeah. Have you ever had that where it's not love at first sight, but yes, then absolutely kind of come around? Yep. I'm sure that's what my wife did with me. That's <laughs> the only way I
0: get women. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god.
2: Uh, mm, there's always like an initial like spark of attraction, or at least acknowledgement that that person, yeah, is not like,
0: yeah, look Idiot. like a piggy. Yeah, well, there's some comedian. It might be Cross Chris Rock. I don't remember. Uh, they say that that a woman knows. I think it was Chris Rock. A woman knows within five seconds whether or not she's going to eventually sleep with a guy within five seconds of meeting them. They know. Oh, mm. It's a little far fetched, but. I think that's the idea you're going with. Like, There's no, some sort of an, there's some sort of initial spark that happens that intrigues you, at least.
2: If you base it on appearance only, then yeah, five seconds is all, all it really takes. But, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he can just open his mouth and say something and the deal's off. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, anything else you guys want to discuss?
1: Uh, I'm trying to decide if I want to get to Mance Rhaegar now, or
2: oh right right so how mm, how are you figuring that's working yeah (laughs) yeah i uh, want to hear this too and like how do you get all the way from king's landing to the north Uh
1: uh-huh (laughs) uh-huh believe (laughs) me there there are a lot of lingering questions (laughs) about all of this it's not uh Completely mapped out yet, but I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. So maybe I'll start with the bail the bard stuff. <clears throat> if you guys want to dig further, if you're not completely exhausted and turned off and whatever by it, then we can it. talk a little more about it. But...
0: Well, do you want me to tell you so, that it's outside the realm of possibility and why, or do you want to go through it?
1: Go for it. I don't care.
0: <laughs> well, it's 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 out there. So I researched it a little bit, um, but oh, dang it! It's um, but. George has actually come out and said Rhaegar's body was cremated.
1: Spoiler for anyone that didn't know that. Okay. Um, and, uh,
0: which is still a possibility could, yeah.
1: for, for my story, for what uh, uh, my theory yeah. is leaning towards.
0: Okay. Uh, somebody else, yeah, started so, so some of that too. Uh, also, though, uh, and again, there are ways to get around this, but Mance has a well known history. He was born mm-hmm. of a wildling uh, and yep. adopted by the Night's Watch. And while Rhaegar was doing all that stuff, Mance was doing other stuff. So there are two separate yep. people for sure. But
4: the theories
0: yep. I've seen talk about glamours and all sorts of other things. If that's where you're going, go for it.
1: That's where mine goes, dang right, it, go I thought I'd it. come up with something original. And I haven't. That's okay, still go for it. 20 it's it's 20
0: a really cool theory. Theories. It's
1: really So first of all, the Bail the Bard stuff, okay? So the the Bail the Bard stuff, we'll start there. Um, First of all, it would be too perfect for the song to match up completely. Like it's not a one-to-one perfect comparison or perfect proof that Mance is Rhaegar Targaryen. Uh, People would figure it out that way. George isn't just going to hand it to us on a platter like that. So um, Igreed even says a Bard's truth is different than yours or mine. So I think that there's some stuff that's intentionally off. So, uh, a couple bullet points. Bale was a singer, just like Rhaegar. Okay, there's lots of singers out there. Um, He wanted the fairest flower that blooms in the gardens of Winterfell. Made me think of Lyanna Stark. Um, I can't help but notice that there was a Brandon involved. Um, And maybe it's significant that they're unsure which one. But, of course, I think of Lyanna's brother, Brandon. Now, for most... when uh, Excuse me. After Bale the Bard kidnapped the Stark daughter, it said for most a year, they searched for her. Rhaegar had Lyanna for guess how long? About a year mm. that they were gone together. Um, hiding with the dead beneath the castle. So that's, you know, that's obviously pointing to Bran and Rickon and where they are, but maybe it's also just a further hint that Jon can find answers about all this in the Winterfell crypts. Right. Mm. Uh, she threw herself from a tower in her grief. That made me think of Ashara Dane and how she apparently committed suicide. Although that you know, that's not a one to one comparison either, because that would lead us to believe that Ashara Dane is actually John's mom if we were to make the apples to apples comparison. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Oh, they talk about peeling the skin off of him and wearing, wearing it for a cloak. On the surface, this obviously feels like a Bolton thing, and we have proof of that in the world of Ice and Fire. They talk about them wearing the skins of Starks and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm. But I wonder if it also points us toward warging and glamoring and things like that. Uh, it's kind of like wearing the skin of someone else. And Mance says in a later chapter in A Storm of Swords, he, he kind of just makes this slightly perhaps offhand comment where he says, I will not deny that Bale's exploit inspired my own obvious hole with this one. The song has been around or this story has been around for a long time. Not just since Mance joined up with the Wildlings. We know that because, well, at least long enough that Agreet's mom used to tell it to her when she was young. So... It's not like Mance made up this story about Bale the Bard and took it to the wildlings, and it's you know autobiographical in nature. It's it's been around for a while, so
2: I would say well thought out and good try.
1: Oh, I've got tons. There's more. more. But I just don't know if we want to get to it. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's we'd, more.
1: We'd be here for a while, and it'd be a lot of my voice. But um, <laughs> gosh, I'm trying to think of a way to sum this up. Uh, in essence. Um, Mance could be Rhaegar if there was some glamouring going on. And I think that there is some evidence that points to that potentially happening uh, in different areas. I'm just scrolling through my bullet points here. Uh, but there are some questions that need, would need to be answered, which I don't think are answered. For example, Skad pointed out that Mance was living a life just as Rhaegar was living his life. They were living in parallel. So there would need, a switch would have had to occur somewhere. And when and how that switch occurred and who it was with would be interesting. So there had to have been a real Mance Raider because he was raised in the Night's Watch since he was a kid. There was an actual Mance Radar who joined the watch when he was young and then went up through the ranks. Uh, So there would have to be a time when Rhaegar and Mance actually switched Mm. to Glamour, similar to Mance Raider and Corrin Halfhand. Not Corrin Halfhand, excuse me, uh, Rattleshirt. So Rattleshirt and Mance switch, remember, when Rattleshirt gets burned. So something like that would have had to happen. When and how and why Mance would agree to that would be weird. It would have had to happen before the Battle of the Trident, I think. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we know that Rhaegar slash Mance was killed there. He have and then there's off, some right. type of double glamoring going on there, because if Mance Raider is Rhaegar Targaryen, then he's glamoring again into it's Rattleshirt rattle shirt. later yeah. on. So there's like double glamoring, and I don't know if that's possible. How did Rhaegar do this? How did he pull it off? We know later on with when it's Mance and Rattleshirt that Melisandra is kind of pulling the strings. She's the one that allows the glamour to happen and kind of does all that work. So who is it that's kind of behind the scenes for Mance and Rhaegar pulling the strings for them? That's another question that would need to be answered. Yep. Uh, So there's definitely a lot of questions, but I'm intrigued by some of the evidence I found too.
0: There's a whole bit where, uh, I can't remember exactly where it is, but Rhaegar is talking about summoning his friends before the Battle of the Trident to talk about what's going to happen afterward, right? And mm-hmm. uh, it could be that 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 was not at all what they he summoned them to talk about, that he summoned them to talk about this plan to switch out, right? And I'm not going to go to the Trident. You're going to get this guy, right? And I'm going to go north to the Wall to wait for, you know, whatever. I see this vision, and this vision is my son, Jon Snow, you know, coming to me while I'm up there in the north. Um, you know, I can lay low and bide my time or whatever. There, There's all sorts of I mean, yeah. There's there's all sorts of stuff that could happen that Mance wouldn't even have had to go along with it. If the glamoring works, he could have got someone to take his place as a glamor on the Trident. He could have gone to the Wall, gone again glamored to be Mance, and just killed him. Right, Killed Mance, yeah. And mm-hmm. could have done that, but yeah, there's just there's there's just to me this theory goes in with a lot of theories that it could ha- it could be true. There's a lot of leaps in there to make it happen, and if you're looking if you're looking to make something happen, you can make it happen. Does it follow narratively? This one actually has some narrative interest, right? Like it'd be right. very cool if this were true. Like it would give it would give George a lot of cool angles to play. And so this one I find more interesting than a lot of them because of The relative narrative interest whereas a lot of them are just like what if Danny is really a boy like okay
1: maybe I'm seeing this through I'll call it ruby colored glasses because a lot of this has to do with rubies but uh, I feel that there is a lot of evidence in the text but and it's not stuff that and I don't see a lot that disproves it I just see a lot of questions that aren't answered that if they were answered it could disprove it uh, one thing that I really liked can I say one thing I really liked yes. he talks about the reason that he left the Night's Watch do you remember that one he couldn't get his black he couldn't wear his new cloak that's what he says remember his cloak got slashed up during arranging mm-hmm. and a wildling with, woman patched yeah. it up and it had some with some red fabric in it it was the most prized and, possession
0: uh, from that, that lady right it Was was her prized possession yes, she sewed it into
1: his cloak when he got back, Dennis Mallister, who runs the Shadow Tower, told him, "You got to change it out, buddy. You got to, you know, go to the, go to the closet or whatever, and get yourself a new black cloak." Um, but what's interesting is the patches of red, the fabric that she used—that prized possession. Do you know where it was from? It was from a shy. It says in the text, "Where's Melisandra from?" A Shy. All this glamoring and shadow magic and stuff is from A Shy. So maybe a little hint there. Also, which famous house has the colors of black and red? The Targaryens do. Oh, man. That is
2: good. That is really good. The music thing. Oh, yeah.
0: I will say about okay. the glamoring. The, the point Melisander makes most about the glamoring is not that it's related to a shy at all, but there's an object that ties directly to that person strongly. Uh, to make, Yeah, the, but the magic the glamour that work.
1: She, she draws upon is is from lore and all this stuff. That's a lot of this. You know, she's from a shy. Yeah. She learned this stuff in a shy. So I think it, it could tie it back to there. Every time Rhaegar's death is mentioned, they talk about the rubies that flew mm-hmm. from his breastplate. Yep. And I've always wondered about the breastplate rubies and what they were and that's what brought me onto the idea of glamoring is that every time almost that they mention yeah. him dying they talk about rubies flying off his chest. And wonder, is that George telling us that there's rubies going on? In a Brienne chapter that I found it's mentioned that he had seven rubies and only six of them were found. The seventh one is still missing. So where is it? Uh, you know,
4: hmm.
1: it could, there could be some Been stuff there.
0: And more glamour, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Melisandra, it's always described that her ruby is described as like fire and like sunlight. And I looked in, um, I looked that up on A Search of Ice and Fire. Eddard describes um, Rhaegar, his rubies flashed like fire in the sunlight. Uh, there's other passages World of Ice and Fire says, Robert drove the spike through Rhaegar's chest, scattering the costly rubies that blazed upon the prince's breastplate. A lot of those same words that are used to describe Melisandre's ruby are used to describe Rhaegar's as well. Could just be George using words like he does so magnificently, but could also be little hints. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, there's some stuff there that could potentially be something. And like you said, Scad, Mm -hmm. uh, it Leads to a lot of interesting possibilities, principally Team John.
0: Yeah, lots of Team John stuff, implications so, if it's true.
1: We've always wondered why Benjamin and J.R. Mormont joined the Night's Watch in the first place. Yeah. Maybe it was to keep an eye on Rhaegar. They knew he was going up there, they knew of this whole plan. Maybe it was because they were like in collusion with him. There was like an uneasy alliance um, because they believed. Him that John was Azor Ahai or the prince that was promised. So you know they they joined the Watch too to kind of help John get to that point. Um, yep, there's a lot of interesting stuff. Why would Rhaegar choose to go north in the first place? Uh, you know, maybe he did believe John was the prince that was promised or Azor Ahai, and so he went up there to like learn all he could about the Great Other to like prepare the way for John. You know what I mean? Mm,
2: um look for the horn.
0: He
1: also did yeah. have Robert to contend ready. with.
0: Like he legitimately did need to hide. Because Robert yeah. would have driven that True. spike through his chest, right?
1: Yeah. There's a lot that, that, you know, it's could be really interesting. I even thought we gave J.R. Mormont, and this will be the last thing, then I'll stop. Uh we gave J.R. Mormont a really hard time about taking his eye off the prize. And um going after once he found out where the wildlings were amassing that he was going to find them rather than search for answers about the others well maybe if this is all true maybe jr wasn't so crazy (laughs) and weird maybe he wanted to find Mance, knowing he's rhaegar to see what he's discovered about the great other and potentially get john involved and get him moving uh, on his uh, thing
3: yeah
0: and also why Corrin and 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 uh jr would accept john volunteering they both they both want to deliver john to his dad yeah there's some interesting stuff i mean it it's it's not the craziest thing it's not it's definitely not the craziest theory you read but there's a lot of just tons of circumstantial stuff and tons of questions like you you have you have to you have to really hammer that square peg into the round hole to make it work um to, Mm. to to make up your own answers to those questions i mean
1: Right. There's a lot of if this is true, then. Then they would have had to do this. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of if-then type stuff, admittedly.
0: Yep. Something
1: to keep in the back of our heads. Right.
0: Uh, Is that it then on the uh, Mance's Rhaegar
1: stuff? Mance Rhaegar. That's what I'm calling the theory, Mance Rhaegar. Even Raider sounds like Rhaegar.
0: Yeah, a little bit. So I Matt, I know you don't like to do it, but I'd go check out the theories that are out there on it. I think you've you've touched on mostly the same points that I saw when I read, but you've gone deeper and made some better connections than what I read. So I want to go look.
4: Thank you.
1: Yeah, I, I've meant to, but I just thought of it yesterday morning, so I wanted to. Yeah, I've spent so much time looking at it on my own that I didn't vet it against any of the other stuff.
0: Most people are pretty dismissive, but there's a few people that latch onto it a little bit. Uh. Brooke, we're getting super late. I did want to say just one quick thing. It's on, my fault. I'm sorry. On, I just want you to. You did
2: some good talking, Matt. You did. That was a lot I'm, of talking, but it was it was that, solid, so solid, solid theory and substance. Yeah. 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 Oh, scat, but you have something else to say?
0: could, go you, ahead. could First of all, could you just uh, go when you're listening through that? Count how many yeps I threw in there as Matt was talking, because <laughs> I hate when my voice isn't heard. So I had to throw some yeps in there. <laughs> uh no i just a, a really quick uh a quick uh shout out to uh talk nerdy to me tumblr blogger uh i'm sorry but i think the san san hope is doomed after after reading this chapter this time with them on that tower and reading that stuff about what was in his eyes i just don't see it so sorry to talk nerdy to me on tumblr
2: well, I wouldn't give up hope. I mean, I think the Sandor's still alive. Uh, we don't have absolute proof of his death. Oh, well, it's not about him being you know dead. That,
0: it's about those eyes will never What's what's going on with him? I don't think it'll ever work well, out. Well,
2: if he is that um silent brother now, mm. um and his tune has changed, maybe what behind what's behind his eyes has changed as well. Maybe. Maybe. I wouldn't give up on that ship.
0: Do you say ship? It or might ship? sail. Oof. I said ship All
2: right. with a P. Now I know uh. what that means. Yeah, <laughs> listeners, Scad had to like pretty long email explain to Matt what the word ship means. And if you don't know, those listening out there, I believe, and I would have to look up the terminology, that it's short for relationship. But I do know it means that if you if you ship two characters, it means that you believe, whether it it's canon or not, that those two should be romantically involved. For example, I ship John and Danny, even though technically they haven't met yet. There are people technically they are related.
0: (laughs) There are people that ship that ship John and Arya. Yeah, really? It's weird. It's weird, but you know what? Uh, I don't know if this is too spoiler or not. In some of Gurm's original like uh, outlines that he sent that were uncovered reasonably recently that he sent to his editor, like the first versions of this story, just kind of like notes and outlines. He actually had them as a relationship
1: together. Really, mm-hmm. I believe well, I so. Yeah. Kind of if tarp- I'm remembering theory-ish. right. Yeah. you yeah. your cousin. Yeah. Well, um, I ship Ron and princess Leia. <laughs> it's just
2: to- mm, totally <laughs> random.
1: Can I do that? Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: more just fan fiction in general.
2: <laughs> Alright.
0: But
1: I would yeah, love can, to read it. Matt,
2: you can ship that. I think that Princess Leia can do better, but you can ship it.
1: Oh, I think he'd be the top of her ladder.
2: Really? Above Han Solo? Above Han Solo?
1: Come on, man. <laughs> okay, I take it back. <laughs> I love Han Solo so much. Second favorite Star Wars character. Alright. What's
2: your first?
3: Wedge Antilles. Wedge,
1: uh, who's that? Oh, jeez. Brook. I'm just teasing. Wedge,
0: the, Wedge uh, is uh, the guy that blows up the shield generator right before Lando blows up the second Death Star.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm trying, he's, to, trying to like type it into Google, the things coming up. No matter how well,
1: split. Y- you only see his head the whole move in, in any of his scenes. Actually, there's a scene in Return of the Jedi. He's down celebrating with the Ewoks, and you see his whole body. Other than that, he's just in the cockpit of the, an X-wing or a snowspeeder. He's a fighter really, pilot. He's a fighter pilot. He's actually the only like kind of minorish character that uh, maybe you could say fighter pilot that makes it through all three movies. He plays a fairly. Instrumental yet minor part in all three films.
0: Red 5, right?
1: No, that's. Oh, that's Luke. Wedge is Red 2. Red
0: 2. That's right. Wow. Uh,
1: Anyway.
2: That nerd alert alarm is blaring really loud, (laughs) so we should wrap
1: this up. Totally screwed up my Lord of the Rings stuff, but (laughs) I'm on point with my Wedge (laughs) stuff. Yeah.
2: Uh, Okay. Um, Signing off. This is Brooke saying. Uh, From the classic key and peel sketch menstruation orientation, (laughs) be nice to your bitches when they be bleeding. (laughs) Uh,
1: I changed mine mid-podcast after our discussion about guys having the disease of wanting to be loved. From Michael Scott, who said, do I need to be liked? Absolutely not. I like to be liked. I enjoy being liked. I have to be liked, but it's not like this compulsive need to be liked. Like my need to be praised.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and uh, mine from from actually the piece I already read at the very end of it. If you ever feel suddenly your joy has turned to ashes in your mouth, just think back on what debt is being paid to you. And that's it.
1: Oh. Ominous.
0: Oh, thanks, guys. Good night. And good night, everybody. Good night, guys. I've
3: been misunderstood for all of my life, but with the same girl just cuts like a knife. The boy's no good. Well, if I didn't find what I've been looking for, but if they get the chance, they'll end it for sure. sure they you won. Baby, I've done all I
1: could. Just a sec, guys. Is
0: that is that what he does when his kids are uh, are acting up? His kids like meekly knock on the door and like
2: dad, and
0: so he's he's just. I've never
2: heard them scream like they've been like they're being bitten before. I think he tells.
0: I know. I think he tells me that he relates to my experiences just to make me feel better. But his kids are all like well behaved and like dad. I just wanted a hug or something. It's (laughs) it's fear, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
1: yeah, right. And it's kind of funny with the little with little boys, though, because it's like their uh, little Johnson is like a little out of control hose. Sometimes it's just like flipping everywhere, you know, uh, we're doing we're doing and he's sitting. just flying all over the bathroom.
0: No, we're doing sitting only right now.
1: Even with that. Yeah. You haven't had you haven't had a. Nah, a pee bath? Uh,
0: no, like once, but it wasn't it wasn't too terrible. <laughs> I can't believe we're still talking about this. It's been like a minute and a half. Parenting is
2: Ogres so awesome. Are crawling up into my rib cage.
4: <laughs>
2: Stay That's, away. That is how birth controlling this conversation is. I also think of you more as Americans now.
4: Oh
0: really?
2: Because before I would forget really? about it, like like it just it just wouldn't like enter my sphere of of consideration. But now like whenever like um I don't know you have like a really enterprising idea or you get all riled up or something i'm like smells like <laughs> american
1: <laughs> smells like an all-american grand slam in here uh, american capitalism
2: what like are that, they trying to
1: do that,
2: that kind of gumption that started and won them a civil war <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of revolutionary one more importantly
2: yeah, oh, that's the one. Uh, yeah, Revolutionary War and then the Civil War.
0: Yeah.
1: All, the wars. all the wars. Any wars war we fought, right if you ask us. So <laughs> yeah. we're war war like ask... people. <laughs> yeah. And may I just remind all of us that back in one of our very first episodes, a certain member of our podcast admitted that he or she oh, yeah. would be front and center at a gladiator <laughs> fight with her thumb <laughs> straight up in the air, <laughs> calling for blood.
2: Not denying it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know you want to be an American.
0: Just give in.
2: Maybe I just want to be a more passionate anti-American. I don't know. Whatever the case. Well, we all want to be that. All right. Now is the time that we move on to the spoilery segment of the episode.
0: Oh, my God. I'm sorry to everyone for making that bran Rickin' thing so awkward. I didn't know how to do it.
2: I... Are we already Davos after darking? Oh, sorry. Can can I <laughs> talk about the next? Holy do it cow. again. Someone's real... oh, I forgot. I... We're talking about <laughs> Someone's My bad. Wiccan. Someone's very passionate about the subject.
0: First of all, it's Wiccan. Second of all, go ahead and get back to do your duty. I'm sorry.
2: Jeez, Louise. <laughs>